Attention! The movie guys love movies, and this week sees the release of another Coen Brothers movie. Looks like another one of those Greenwich Village folk singer with a cat has girl problems movies. Didn't we just see this? No. <laughs> never. We have never seen this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, such can be said about any Coen Brothers movie. And uh, it'll be the best version of that we've never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> the best version <laughs> yeah, of that we've never Yeah, you just crystallized the Coen Brothers. Yeah. That's a that, perfect statement. If anyone ever wants to make another version of that, it's not going to be as good. <laughs> nope. It will not. Whatever Lebowski is, it is the best one of those that has ever been made. <laughs> ever been made. <laughs> and it's the only one. Welcome to the Movie Showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and sprawling movie guy's empire. It's a sweater! You've reached ground... <laughs> You've reached Ground Zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together right here on our show every week with rants, sketches, previews, characters, jokes, bits, special guests, and more. You can expect that in the next hour or so as we broadcast from the Admirals Club, locked in Burbank Airport's flyover zone. Catch us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Search the Movie Showcast or the Movie Guys, and we come right up. And don't forget, we're also available on WBAD Radio at WBAD.net. We play there Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern. One Pacific. And as always, please subscribe where possible. Tell your friends. Share and like posts and videos and all that stuff at the Movie Guys on Twitter and on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you find us. My name is Paul Preston. I am your host. Here as ever with Lee Caius, Adam Witt. The Karen Fulpe chair is empty. She had an audition tonight. We'll see if she make it, makes it back by the end of the show to do her birthdays. Later in the show, we'll be joined by an actor who has appeared in the likes of the Spider-Man trilogy, Patriot Games, and of course the TV shows Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, and Xena Warrior Princess. Ted Raimi is coming oh, to the The legendary Ted Raimi. And if you're new to the show, I think you'll find our signature offering each week is a thorough preview of every major film release coming up in theaters. Coming up this week, are you tired of movies not having enough people getting punched in the head? Well... <laughs> Here comes Out of the Furnace, just for you. <laughs> and later in the show... I'm interested in, in gigging here. Okay, let's hear something. You don't want to hear the record? Why should I? You're here. Play me something. Play me something from Inside Lewin Davis. Aw. They're going to do it again, aren't they? Yeah. They're going to nail it again. <clears throat> and also invent it while they're doing <laughs> yes. it. Yes. Invent it. Do the best that, that there is. Man, I just... It feels like it's been forever. When was the last Coen Brothers movie? Was it, was it a serious man? That was after No Country? No, True oh, Grit. No Country was 07. No True Grit. True yeah. Grit oh, Which what, what they do after I that? I forget that. And that yeah. had seven Oscar nominations. Yeah. I forget that that's a Coen Brothers. And as with Coen Brothers movies, it's one of those that I've heard, once you watch it like a second time, you're like, like oh, oh, it's completely brilliant and amazing. I, yeah. I mean, the first time I saw it, I was like, I, I liked it and it was whatever. But, you know, you spend so much time adapting to the world that the Coen Brothers are created. It's almost like I always say about Adam McKay movies. You got to watch them a second time. They're like, you haven't even seen them yeah. yet. Until That's true with Anchorman. Time. I oh, saw yeah. Anchorman years ago. I saw it very recently and it was much funnier. Uh, I mean, that, I liked it the first time, but I really yeah, okay. enjoyed you, it the second you, time. You, okay. Yeah, yeah that, that's the thing. <laughs> you didn't walk away from the first yeah, viewing going, went, that was I'm weird, sure but now I works. appreciate its, its absurdity so much. Yes. I laughed a lot the first time I saw it. The second time, I became fanatical. <laughs> I mean, absolutely my, just below Airplane, my second favorite comedy of all time. Oh, wow. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That Airplane and that. Woo-hoo. Now, there's uh, of course, something the to be said for the Coen brothers in that you want to see their movie a second time to begin with. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and we will all do that, no doubt. But our first film really looks like it takes place in the 80s, but it doesn't. 
the harshest possible counter-programming you can think of for Frozen. It's out of the furnace. Let's talk about it, Adam. (laughs) You'd think if your film had a white guy sleeping with a black woman in rural blue-collar steel town in Pennsylvania, that that would be your movie. But there's more to Out of the Furnace. Yes, this tense and suspenseful drama features a black police chief in a rural blue-collar steel town in Pennsylvania. You'd think that would be your movie, but there's more to Out of the Furnace. From the director of Crazy Heart Comes Crazy Shit, (laughs) this film takes place in a rundown community in Appalachia's Despair Belt, where the locals have been left in poverty after the country music plant closed. Christian Bale plays Russell Bays, a local steel worker who falls on hard times when he's born in a rural blue-collar steel town in Pennsylvania. It's a part I'm told Bale gained several million dollars to play. Oh, he's method. (laughs) Russell looks after his family, including his ailing father, who's come down with a case of waking up in a rural blue-collar steel town in Pennsylvania. And his younger brother, uh, with his younger brother and Iraq war vet Rodney, played by America's favorite Affleck, Casey. (laughs) But the family loses its heart and brains when Russell lands in prison after accidentally killing someone. Yeah, I believe we have a clip of this scene. Oh, okay. Oh, good for you! What the fuck is it with you? Oh, sorry, that's not from Out of the Furnace. That's from Bale's performance in 2006, The Gift That Keeps on Giving. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Without Russell to keep him out of trouble, Rodney joins the locals in the burgeoning local economic stimulus of an underground fight club to make money. (laughs) It was either that or the job at Walmart, and at least the fight clubs are upfront about crushing your soul. That and the fight club at Walter Reed Hospital, sponsored by the VA, has a waiting list. But when Rodney refuses to throw a fight, he's kidnapped by mobster Woody Harrelson, who's stimulating the local economy by chewing scenery. (laughs) Hey, Paul, in 1988. Yes, Adam, in 2013. You watching Cheers? It's 1988, of course I am. Hey, guess who the most successful cast member of Cheers will be in feature films? Ted Danson. No. Shelley Law? No. Kirstie Alley. Nope. George Went? No, not even George Went. John Ratzenberger. No. Rhea Perlman. No. It's Woody Harrelson. Whoa! <laughs> that is weird. Well, as long as one of the people I mentioned gets a TV spinoff. <laughs> Didn't they all get one but Rhea? Or she got one? Nobody got one but, but Frazier. That was the joke. No, yeah. wait a we minute. We didn't mention Kelsey Grammer because oh. who would guess that the one character from Cheers... <laughs> I'm looking at the list. I'm like, they all got him, didn't they? No! You're thinking of... They all uh, kept You're working. thinking of Friends. Yeah. You're thinking of Friends. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> they all got two. Um, so when Russell gets out of jail, he's lost his father and his brother is missing. Events shitty enough to make their previous lives seem hospitable in contrast. He decides to take the law and a sniper rifle into his own hands as he hunts down the men that took his brother. And right when you think being a hot chick would bring you everything your heart desires, here's why it sucks to be Zoe Saldana. (laughs) This movie stars Academy Award winner Christian Bale, Academy Award nominee Woody Harrelson, Academy Award nominee Casey Affleck, Academy Award winner Forrest Whitaker, Academy Award nominee Willem Dafoe, Academy Award nominee Sam Shepard, and Zoe Saldana. (laughs) That kind of sucks. That does like <laughs> The trailer makes the film look like a two-hour-long Pearl Jam video, and it was actually set to uh, start set to feature some freshly recorded songs from the band's frontman Eddie Vedder. Oh. But after hearing the final tracks, director Scott Cooper said the songs were too good to be included in the movie. 
Let's hope that thinking didn't go into uh, Cooper's directing style. Wouldn't want to make sure the performances from the Oscar winners are too good or anything. You gotta rain all that good stuff in. Can we make that shittier? <laughs> hey, Christian, shittier, please? <laughs> Less good? <laughs> That's not a direction he often hears. <laughs> make it shittier. <laughs> well, you mentioned the despair belt. I, something that came up on the radio that I heard this week. A stat that they... they do every year once again the Bible Belt leads the country in divorces. But where is right. the Bible Belt? Well, the buckle is pointed like out on a map. Oklahoma is the buckle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where does the Bible Belt go? Because it's Tennessee like, and it's, Kansas and is Ohio. Oh, part well, of the Bible like belt? Mississippi, Alabama. No, I don't think so. okay. Like Mississippi, Alabama, up to like Iowa, Arkansas. I think it even stays a little north of there. I think. Yeah, it's like yeah, Arkansas and yeah, Tennessee and all that. You would think that's where Out of the Furnace takes place. No, Pennsylvania. Because the South can really creep way the up there. I did Rust some work belt. when I lived in Chicago. Oh, I yeah, think. West Virginia is the South. Yeah. Well, Baltimore. two hours south of Chicago is the yeah. South. Like Champaign-Urbana yeah. is the South. Maryland, if you're, in, if you're not careful. Well, I mean, are, you're, saying, you're saying farm country. Farm country is everywhere that isn't. The, the first 25 cities that come to my head. As far as, a, uh, <laughs> as, far as a, a career goes, or a job, right, farming. But I'm talking about some people I met at the county fair mm. in Champaign. You know. Oh, I, well, I, I, yeah. I did that the summer before I moved to L.A. I was, uh, oh, yes. I was out of a job, and I had to fill the time. And my friend worked promotions for the Illinois Lottery, and they had set up a booth at, the, uh, at various fairs. And so you, I was a carny for a summer. Before. You know the Illinois Lottery. It's uh, Hillbilly Life Savings. That's the yeah. retirement plan. Uh, oh, yeah. man. And Hillbilly that, retirement plan. I got to tell you, man, that was the saddest fucking thing because you're just watching them all play the lottery. Like, like, I kind of watched them play the lottery all day long and do scratch-offs. Nobody wins scratch-offs. Come on. Nobody wins. I mean, nobody wins a lottery. <laughs> Statistically speaking, just don't do it. Yeah. But anyway, but we had, like, fun games and stuff like that. But holy shit, is there some serious, like, Springfield, Illinois, and Carbondale, Illinois, is, might as well be. The North mid- Havenbrook. Yeah. <laughs> Shelbyville. Put well them on the map. Is the middle of nowhere. I think it's more of a state of mind. Well, the South. Well, I had we we were. I was working a Hawaiian punch promotion. We were giving away. Of course, a, you were a Paul. beetle. All right, so we were at the fair. We had a whole corner. A of literal the, bug. I think we should come up with a theme song for Paul's latest promotion story. Like I was doing a promotion for uh, yeah, Sunny Delight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what 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 did you do? What, what did, did you, you do when you were poor? <laughs> what what did you promote? What did you promote for money? Uh, no shit, right? <laughs> Uh, sort of selling my body. Um, Hubbubba. There was, but yeah, we had a whole beach set up, and we were like Hawaiian. But we had like straw hats and Hawaiian shirts, and we had this beetle. We were giving away a Volkswagen Beetle, so he came up, he signed up, and we had Jimmy Buffett music playing. Oh. And a little kid came up, he was like, "What music's that?" Like he's like a high schooler or whatever. We're like, it's Jimmy <laughs> Buffett. Yeah. What do you like? I'm like, I like rock and stuff. Like yeah, I like Peter Skinner! Gabriel. <laughs> so, I like Peter Gabriel. Dude, he's gay. <laughs> like, I don't. Who are you? What's two pop? Just get out of here, Metallica, dude. <laughs> and, then, and then I look over him. No kidding, a guy is in his uh, scooter wheelchair doing donuts in our sand. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I have some amazing pictures from, from the fair. I, I have the, the. You just reminded me of one picture. There was a, a an old man in a uh, rascal cart, 
and uh, and he's he's got his old cart decked out. However, and then there's just a little sign on the front that says "Here comes trouble," and it's just this old <laughs> guy and his rascal. That's one of my favorite photos. I don't mean to veer too far off topic and get back to the movie, but um, yeah, all, this, yeah. all this could happen in the movie. <laughs> I do want to mention Casey Affleck. Yes. I pronounce that correctly? Uh, Casey Affleck. I so. Affleck. I always say. Affleck. Yeah. I that's believe what it's say. Affleck because he's Affleck. related to Ben Affleck. Affleck. But uh, I could be wrong. Ben Affleck. I love that band. <laughs> ben Affleck. Oh, ben, ben Affleck, Affleck and, the, and the Affleck tones. Yeah, and the Affleck tones. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a. Uh, he is Ka- America's favorite Affleck. Anyway, Casey was on uh, Conan the other night. And, uh, I love Casey Affleck. He, uh, he's getting a little. Uh, a little man crush on Casey now. He's, yeah, no, I he's totally coming have around. One. To, I won't tell Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Or, or have you or, seen or Jerry? Ryan, don't tell Ryan Gosling either, because he had a <laughs> kind of like tough guy. No, vibe. but you know what? It's cool to like Casey Affleck. Yeah. It's not that everybody likes. Uh, I mean, the other people you just mentioned are super popular, but like Casey still got a little. That's why everybody likes them. On. You oh know, yeah, that song you're right. that everyone likes. You're right. That's literally the definition <laughs> of everybody popular. likes. Sorry. <laughs> you know what's not only does everybody like him, but they're popular. <laughs> and good. But anyway, yes. But Casey's funny. I mean, I oh. love well Oceans the Oceans movies, the conversations that he has in mm-hmm. that, his tone of voice and stuff, he's just a, but he's, he's pulling a hoot. he's pulling for me, he's pulling a fight club literally and figuratively in this movie oh, for yeah, me. Oh yeah, yeah, he is in fight club. Because he's in a fight club and he's he's doing in this movie, what Brad Pitt did for me in Fight Club, which is make him not so, you know, wishy-washy. There's a scene with him and Woody Harrelson where uh, they, they previewed it on Conan last night, and Casey is just going to rip his head off. Oh, it's, it's like their first meeting. Oh, They're yes. in, like, the old—he's playing poker. Yes. Woody is badass in that scene. That's a great scene. But Casey Woody is Harrelson. just, like, just right here in his eyes, yeah. and, he, and the line is, teach me a lesson, and that's all he hangs on, because Woody Harrelson says it as a throwaway comment, and mm. he's, go, he's going on with the conversation, and all Casey's character can hang on is, teach me a lesson? You're going to teach me a lesson? Teach me a lesson? I'm like, kill him! <laughs> Hit him in the face! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love Casey Affleck. So I'm on board with that. And if Jonah Hill said that, it'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but man, I'm a big fan of Woody's. I think, uh, you know, as... as an amazing as, career for him, that oh little... My God. Little sketchlet we as, did as there. Steve Schultz uh, said, who writes for the show, he said, uh, "This this seems like it might finally be the performance that uh, drives Woody from Cheers off the cliff of our collective memories." <laughs> oh, th- it's been going on for dis- a while. I gotta but... disagree with Schultz. I mean, I haven't thought of him as the guy from Cheers since Patrick oh, yeah, exactly. Killers. Right, right, right. I mean, he really did. Uh, I mean, I guess he really did what you'd call a Johnny Depp, which is weird to say because nobody has thought of him as as Twenty One Jump Street's Johnny Depp. For <laughs> decades, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 amazing, and in fact, it's so rare that you go, oh yeah, it is weird that that guy from Cheers is this guy. Him, him, and Cheers and Depp in Twenty One Jump Street are the types of things people still have to look up on the internet to make sure that happened. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, no, I don't think you're right. Oh yeah, they were. Yeah, they oh were. yeah, and Oswald <laughs> acted alone. I mean, Harrelson was in three Best Picture nominees and one that won in No Country for Old Men. He's got two nominations himself for Larry Flint and The Messenger. I just think he's fantastic, oh, Flint, and I look yeah, forward I to anything he that. does. Wait, who's nominated for Larry? Oh, Harrelson, yeah, 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 Harrelson. Yeah. I mean, if it's even if it's you know when he's funny, I love that too. Zombieland and that kind of thing. I think I'm glad he returns there every once in a while. But he can bring both genres, the funny and the and the serious. I love it. <laughs> it's pretty cool, and it just doesn't seem like your typical career. You know, you think of all the like, you know, Hollywood does not need handsome people. Honestly, I mean, if you look at most of the people, yeah, sure, you That's got why your I don't get work. And your Brad Pitts, but you know, Woody Harrelson, he, the guy we love that guy, and Casey Affleck is not traditionally good looking either. You know, like these are these are just the, almost character actors. And real quick before we move on, yeah, he's Ed doing Raimi. the one thing that I want to bring into real life. He's got hair in this movie, and we're like going with it. <laughs> he just shows up. With I a full wish. Head. Yeah, it's true. Would you would you start doing that as a bit on <sighs> on this show? 
just to, and then working in your real life. I promise you, Adam. Get a fucking wig. I want it. I promise you. make more money now, do it. It is literally a financial <laughs> issue. It, the good ones are expensive, I'm understanding. Save up. Can't okay. you just like reshape one every I night? just want to see you walk in with fucking preacher hair, man. Like TV preacher <laughs> hair. Like Benny televangelist Hinn. hair. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, hey, this is my hair today. Yeah. And we just realize I and get spiritual. used to it. Get used to yeah. it. That uh, Lee's hey, going to nice bring a wig. Nice hair. And you, you wear one. Maybe you don't wear it the next day, whatever. This is I'm saying. Then you save this up for a second I'm... one, and then you start getting a bunch of them. I'm back, Mr. Luthor. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the furnace shows the economic realities of an impoverished community in America. And it's not just a plot point. It's an actual initiative that Hollywood is spearheading to help. Listen to this message from the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. When America was hit by the Great Recession of 2008, Hollywood decided to do something about it by forming the New Economy, LLC, a coalition of producers dedicated to making movies that reflect the economic realities of the 21st century. It's every oligarch's dream to pay to watch toothless bottom dwellers try to kill each other over a plate of stale nachos. Now, with the positive influence of the movie Out of the Furnace, showing Appalachians bare-knuckle boxing, there are over 400 hillbilly fight clubs around America pouring thousands of dollars into economically depressed areas and offering affluent captains of industry an exciting new sport to bet on while enjoying the age-old hobby of watching the poor suffer. But that's just one of the ways Hollywood is giving back. Last month, audiences enjoyed Homefront, which emphasizes the profits to be made from meth dealing in the South. <laughs> Thanks to the lobbying efforts of The New Economy, they didn't hire some typical heavy for the villain, and that meth kingpin ended up being played by the lovable, funny, and personable James Franco. Meth remains a $5 billion a year industry, giving the poorest Americans an opportunity for upward mobility that wouldn't be available otherwise. Of course, some of that would be happening without Hollywood, but we're doing our part to make it acceptable. Would there be so many stand-your-ground shootings without the movie The Purge? Maybe, maybe not but the economic impact of paranoid people hoarding expensive guns might not even be noticeable without the rugged good looks of The Purge's Ethan Hawke. So we can't take all the credit of the success of America's new economy, but we're doing our part to popularize new ways of making money for these pre-apocalyptic times. And we won't rest until we can actually televise children killing each other in the woods with flaming bows and arrows. Because if the movie The Hunger Games has made a billion dollars, do you have any idea what kind of ratings the real thing would get? Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got a meeting to convince Harrison Ford to play an organ harvester in a new family comedy. So earnest. Wow, and so, that's, uh, that's a real thing, huh? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Those voices of other people from the Chamber of Commerce <laughs> explained it all. Out. Account, yes. All right, our next film is Inside <laughs> Lewin Davis. Like more sincere. I'm sorry, what was that, Paul? Inside Lewin Davis. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the sequel to the porn Deep Inside Annie Sprinkles. <laughs> Actually, it's a Coen Brothers film. Well, man, then it's going to be a really good porn film. <laughs> uh, you're confused. Just read the script with me. Here we go. <laughs> Joel and Ethan Cohen do for folk music what they did for bluegrass in Oh Brother Where Art Thou with Inside Lewin Davis, a film that explores the pre-Bob Dylan atmosphere of Greenwich Village in the early 60s. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, the Cohen brothers are mythological beings that were granted great powers of filmmaking by the movie gods. 
the only thing the gods ask for in return for their ability to make brilliant film after film that defy categorization was that the Coens would never be able to set a movie in the same part of a decade twice. If they should do that, their powers would cease. Inside Lewin Davis follows a down-on-his-luck musician. In movies, is there any other kind of musician? For a week, as he couch surfs apartments and coffee shops of the beatnik era of New York, when the first generation of hipsters thought they were the first generation of hipsters for the first time. One week? Talk about genre-specific. With this kind of narrow focus on time periods, I'm sure we can look forward to other period pieces from the Coen brothers that take place in 8th grade lunch, the 30 minutes after eating but before swimming, and of course, August, Osage County. But of course... Talking about a trailer for a Coen Brothers movie is like describing Beethoven's Ode to Joy in Pantomime. These are always such cave paintings for what this will actually be. I get it. It has to be explained in some way. You can't just put a title up and, and put the Coen Brothers there on black screen for a minute and expect people to show up. But you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> I totally you would. You totally would. <laughs> Lewin Davis is played by newcomer, newcomer Oscar Isaac. Well, he was in the movie Born Legacy, if you, you want to call that a movie. He was also in Won't Back Down, so I assume he played a pit fighter, because that's the name a movie about a pit fighter would have. Wait a minute, is John Goodman in this movie? It's a Coen Brothers movie, isn't it? That answers that. Otherwise, the cast is full of Coen newcomers, including Carrie Mulligan's Bangs and Justin Timberlake, who plays an insipid folk singer whose uh, notoriety rubs the self-involved Lou in the wrong way. So... Justin Timberlake now adds a Coen Brothers movie to his cool indie cred. Can this guy make a bad decision already? Uh. Isn't there a terrible idea for a superhero movie that he can embarrass himself with just once? All this, and you're good at hosting Saturday Night uh. Enough already! Damn you. By the way, when's Runner Runner coming out? It's him and Ben Affleck, so I assume I'll see a commercial or something. <laughs> this film also stars F. Murray Abraham yeah. as Bud Grossman, mm. a club owner who could give Lewin his big break. Let's play a clip where he describes Lewin's music. This was no composition by a performing monkey. <laughs> this was a music I'd never heard. Filled with such longing, such unfulfillable longing. It seemed to me that I was hearing a voice of God. Well, spoiler alert, sounds like he likes the music. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good news, Lee, the film is at least partially based on a book, so that makes it a movie, right? It makes it a partial movie, Paul. It's partially based on the, biogra <laughs> the biography of Dave Van Ronk, a forgotten folk singer. Is there any other kind of folk singer? <laughs> with a visual mood adapted from the cover of Bob Dylan's album Free Wheelin'. The cultural era they're putting on film is a very romantic one that's rarely seen. The first pulse of the baby boomers claiming art for themselves in the salad days before Magneto shot Kennedy <laughs> and we all had Nixon forced on us. The Coen brothers are never ones to run out of ideas for movies, but apparently the old creative tank is a little dry when it comes to characters' names. You'll remember that in No Country for Old Men, the main character's name was Llewellyn Moss. Here, our lead's name is Lewin Davis. I have nothing funny to, about, to say about that. I was just wondering if they didn't think we'd notice. Joel Cohen was quoted as saying, The film doesn't really have a plot. <laughs> what? No plot? That never stopped Brett Ratner from making a movie. Nailed it! Well, in the hands of lesser directors, not having a plot would be a problem, or at least result in a Michael Bay production. But no plot for the Coen brothers simply means that this film could conceivably go on forever. Isn't that what we all want from a Coen brothers movie anyway, for it to never end? Will the Coens continue to bat a thousand? Or maybe 850 when you take into consideration Lady Killers. <laughs> Looks like it to me. It does.
This is the number one movie I want to see for the. Uh, I was telling the holiday Paul, season, the awards season. Before you got here this evening, I was telling Paul I was listening yeah. to an interview with Isaac uh, Oscar, Isaac. Oscar Isaac, newcomer. <laughs> which I pronounced it with a B for a some newcomer. reason. A newcomer. Uh, I could go for a newcomer. <laughs> a honey newcomer. Uh, I was just listening to an interview with him uh, on uh, Not Fresh Air, some other yeah. NPR show, mm-hmm. and just based on the interview, I want to see this movie. Yeah, he, they, they weren't playing clips. They weren't doing anything. He was just talking about the movie, mm. and I'm like, holy crap, we need to see this. <laughs> I saw I saw one clip of this, and uh, it was uh, him and Justin Timberlake, and... and uh, the guy gets up on, and I can tell already where this you're going with this character, and, and it's going to have that sort of Cohen humor to it. It's not a comedy. Fargo's not a comedy. Mm-mm. Fargo's got a lot of laughs. Got a lot of laughs. <laughs> and shut the fuck up, you know. <laughs> like that guy really needs everyone to calm down because there's a, mer- but it's hilarious uh, when yeah. he says it. Absolutely. <laughs> and and as the guy gets up and and he starts to announce the next act, and he goes, "Now the next, uh, we actually want to have someone come up here and play a song." And Oscar Isaac gets this look on his face, like, "Ah, oh, I couldn't." Oh, no, 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 just move on without me. But of course he's talking about Justin Timberlake, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and of course he gets to the point of announcing him and then, and Justin Timberlake's playing like a totally insipid, like, I'm trying to think of like a folk act that was totally like, you know, um, hated or, or loved like, at the I time, know. but just completely insipid oh, version yeah. of it. I don't know. I'm not very good at referencing yeah. my folk music. Anyway, that's the sort me of. Me neither. I'm hoping I learned something from, from the movie. Well, that's the thing. How many folk song movies are there in, in this setting? Ah, man. Fuck these guys. They're too good. No, they are too good. They're the best. They've and, risen and, to the level of fuck them. And to expand <laughs> on the quote we said earlier from Joel Cohn, who said the film doesn't really have a plot, he furthermore said, that's why we added the cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I wrote the joke, I couldn't quite uh, add that in there. Yeah, I, I know, was looking at the quote. I'm like, I want to make sure that came up because yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Oh, that's why we added the cat. Yeah. So now there's <laughs> some kind of through line. What a Joel Cohen thing to say. <laughs> On top of being good filmmakers, they know how to play their Beatles esque characters as yeah. well, you know? <laughs> <laughs> at least, not the least of which, of course, is Roderick Jaynes, who we almost did a sketch about Roderick oh, Jaynes. Oh, yeah, their editor. Because the, he's their editor. And if you don't know, the Coen brothers edit their own films under the name Roderick Jaynes. So even when Roderick Jaynes is nominated for an Oscar, or wins, did he win? No, got nominated. They send up yeah. an Indian. They put up a... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they put up a picture. They put up a picture of some old man. I don't yeah. know who it is. It's hilarious. Or as the guy being nominated. As if he's not there. Now, yeah. are, they, are, they, are they not allowed to edit their own movies, or is that just a... I a think funny you knew joke? had a story about that. Didn't or was you? an ASCE something? Um, is this a union deal? No, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing preventing it. I can't remember why they did. I know Soderbergh uh, doesn't credit himself as cinematographer because he doesn't like seeing his name up there too many times. Uh, but I don't know. That's humbling. I'm I guess. Not sure why That's they humble. I should say. Yeah, because sure you are taking work away from somebody. Them. Yeah. Uh, were they going to get... Uh, they're going to get fined. They're going to get fined. The union's going to come after them. Now, as envisioned in a Coen Brothers screenplay, no doubt Lewin Davis will be one of the most interesting Lewins imaginable. <laughs> and like we enshrine the goofy names of characters in Ender's Game into the international order of ornate sci-fi and fantasy names, I would like to immortalize Lewin Davis into the Lewin Hall of Fame. It's very prestigious. Now, today, we speak the names of the great Lewins in history. Lewin Davis, we speak your names. I guess 
I guess that's all there is. Yeah, that's, that's, it. that's all. That's all we have Just to show you how original those goddamn Cohen brothers are. <laughs> You're right. Fuck them. It's not fair to everybody oh, else. It's not fair. It's, it's just not fair. It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable streak. Yeah. That's. I mean, they're they're like they. I remember with that little joke about them being gods with special powers of filming, but they kind of are. There's just nothing else. I mean, how do you keep doing that? How do you keep making a completely original movie with, uh, that's risky. completely enjoyable and a risk? Yeah. And they maintain their punk. They never, uh, no matter how popular they get, they're never considered to sell out. They never, I, they just, and then they'll go do they're some. They're never out of touch. They're go, never out of touch. Though, and then they'll go do some personal film, like the the the, the guy who stands, the guy. A serious man. Yeah, yeah, I want to call a, that guy movie. Guy on the roof. Guy on the roof. Yeah, guy on the roof. <laughs> you want a roof. Yeah. Now, I want to go on record as saying I understand uh, there's a certain hypocrisy to my, to my previous, though no longer, uh, discontent with Leslie Mann. Because oh, yes. basically, Francis You've come Mc- to terms. Yes, I've come to terms with her. As how a, did you get there? Uh, I saw her in. Did you shuffle the the, the lead topic? Uh? No, no, I see where this is going. Just, he knows oh, where this is going. Yeah. This is going to Francis McDormand, who is oh, always Dormant. Dormant. Francis McDormand, who's Dormant. always in every Joel and Ethan Cohen movie. And I've never once said, "Well, she's just getting it because you know." Yeah, yeah. she's married to. I, yeah, Joel she's Cohen. not in that many though. This isn't enough. She's in Fargo. She's in Burn After Reading. Oh, she's right. in Raising she's Arizona. She's in... But never once, Gotta get him a dip tat. <laughs> but to have his dip tat. Never once did that thought about her enter my head as it did with Leslie Mann. But as you know, I'm on the Leslie Mann bandwagon. <laughs> Love you, Leslie. Um, She's married. Rumor <laughs> has... Which is so how we started Francis. this whole thing yeah. up. <laughs> I believe I've, I've heard that from Lee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a short break, really 10 seconds of this song for you, a small break for us, and we will return with our guest... Ted Raimi, we're Ted very excited. Ted Raimi! Go. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Chomster, the mighty, roams through the countryside. He never needs a place to hide. With Gabby as his sidekick, fighting with her little stick. Writing rocks and singing songs, the mighty all day long. Chomster, Chomster, the mighty. <laughs> And yes, we are back with our special <laughs> guest. He is an actor from the big screen, appearing in Dark Man, Drag Me to Hell, and most recently Oz the Great and Powerful, and on the small screen in Sequest, yes. and Legend yeah. of the Seeker, and more. Plus, he writes, directs. Please welcome Ted Raimi. Hello! Hey, that's me! Yes, that's me. <laughs> oh! A, a, a guest with his own theme song. We never had a guest with his own yeah, theme, theme song. Yeah, theme song, yeah. Had a theme song. Yeah. It's not yeah. too bad. No, it's pretty cool. That is um, a catchy tune. Did you write that? I did. I wrote, I wrote, well, okay. you know, the orchestration's not mine. The orchestration's a guy named Joe LaDuca who scores a million oh, things. Oh, yes. I, I knew that. I knew Army that. Darkness. But I didn't do that. Favorite. Yeah, he he did a lot of uh, uh, a, a lot of soundtracks. But, yeah, that, that's, that theme was, <laughs> I think it was Rob Tappert's idea, the producer of um, Xena Warrior Princess, which that, that's from. And uh, it got to the director, Josh Becker, who said, you know, Rob wants a theme song. So I had an idea, you know, uh, uh, roaming through the countryside, something, something, something. <laughs> oh, it writes itself after that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, then it, I mean, I, I got it. I was like, what do you mean a theme song? Like, how can he? Well, actually, it didn't really turn out to be a theme song. Excuse me. It was really originally meant for a scene where I was tied up with. Uh, Renee O'Connor and talk slowly. Talk slowly. Yes, yeah, so I, I was tied up with her, and uh, she. I was because we were stuck in a room with our hands tied behind our backs. He wanted something that would really 
be annoying to her. <laughs> so he thought. So it was really smart. No, no, no. It was it was really a clever idea because what's more annoying than somebody singing who can't sing, and you're just stuck for days. It's like being your cellmate. You know, it's not like you know, hey man, you know, I'm your cellmate. You know. Now you're gonna suck my dick or something. Well, that that you might even be able in time to adjust to. And who hasn't been there? But what you couldn't adjust to if you went, "Hi, I'm your new cellmate." La da 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 da, la 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 la. And now you go, well, "I'm living with that forever." Here, suck my dick so you shut up. <laughs> so it's some. So that was sort of the idea. We're gonna be together so, for a long time. Yeah, we came, so we came up with that whole whole thing. I that that is bittersweet. It actually became the most you know emblematic thing of that character on that show. But also I. I am asked to sing that at every single oh, I bet. convention I've ever been oh, to in no the last kidding. 15 years. All the fans eventually who sing the Jackson song. <laughs> so when I played it, you're like, oh, great. I, I, that, I, no, it's fine. It's funny. I wondered I, how tired you might be. No, of I don't. I don't. I, I, I'm that. not tired of it anymore. I don't sing it anymore. I used to, like, in the early days. Now I just, you know, I just. Well, maybe no, hearing the no, full produced but... piece sounds different than, like, a bunch of fans. No, it it's about you. the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the same. Yeah, you um, were a beloved character on uh, on Xena. How often you were, were you comic on that? relief? I was comic relief. Uh, that show lasted for six years, and I, I was. But originally, the fans did not like me on that show. Oh, really? No, they hated me <clears throat> because I was brought on the end of the first season. By that time, Xena and Gabrielle were very serious characters. I mean, because that show was a spinoff from Hercules. Yeah, and Hercules was a goofy show. Was it always from the beginning? Yeah, Hercules okay. was always lighthearted. Come on, Eolus, I'm Hercules, the strongest <laughs> man in the world. That sort of was the vibe, you know. He was like like a goofy American who happened to be a half-god kind of a guy. Um, but um, so Xena was a serious spinoff of that one. She was like a serious character. So I came on the last episode, the fans went, okay, A, this isn't a comedy. They wrote in, you know, in the earliest days of like, you know, email. It wasn't? <laughs> no, they went. No, it was not. It's not. They went. It's not a comedy. And there's there's a guy in the show. What is a man doing oh. in this show? Because even at the end of the first season, it was becoming a very you know uh, le- a gay lesbian <laughs> sort of thing um, for a lot of fans in an underground sort of sense. So they didn't want a That's guy. Why I watched. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of guys did too. I did you like- were killing my boner, Ted. <laughs> Watching that show. Man. Well, yeah. He was a you boner know, killer. Well, I was. You know, I like Joshua was sort of asexual idiot, you know. <laughs> no, that's, how we, sort of that's how we referred to you. Oh, the boner, boner killer. The, you know, I was a boner killer. I'll, I'll buy that. I'll, I'll, I can live with that. Um, but it was, you know, it, so, but that was, that was sort of, the, and then eventually I was very fortunate. They wrote good stuff. And it was based, you know, Joshua had a great comic premise, which was, it was endlessly malleable, which was, He's the worst warrior in the world who thinks he's the <laughs> best great. warrior. That's great. Yeah, very well, Monty Python. It's it's like, very, yeah, I mean, it's the classic. You know, it's Bob Hope. Brave, know? brave Sir Robin. Yeah, it's Bob. It's Bob Hope going. You know, you need help. You know, it's it's all that stuff. You know, I was totally channeling Bob Hope and Danny Kaye and Woody Allen through the whole thing. You know, I was stealing from the best. Why not? Are those your some of your comedy influences? Yeah. They were, those and guys. that they, they, I love, you know, there's, you know, even the worst Danny you Kaye movies. You can't are, go wrong with those guys. No. You pick good ones. Yeah, I, I, you know, why not? You know, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, th- those guys are, you know, to- totally. I mean, Woody Allen, obviously, um, for the fact that, you know, it was two incredibly pretty, waspy girls, and there's a, and a Jewish guy. <laughs> so, I mean, nobody really got that. I, I don't think when they were watching it, but it's the oldest, you know, Sure, he's going to get laid. Sure, he's going to get laid. Never <laughs> does. You know, it's uh, whatever. It's Seinfeld. It's all that stuff. You know, it's just classic pair-ups, you know. And um, 
than uh, Bob Hope just because he's just so cocksure of himself, <laughs> but he's an idiot. And uh, Danny Kaye just just for the antics, you know. Um, yeah, you know, I totally borrowed from those guys. I, I totally admit it. You know, they say a Jackie Chan script will have plot, 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 plot. And then eventually a page will just say Jackie Chan fight scene. And they figure, well, that'll all get worked out on the set. And then you flip the page, yeah. plot, plot, plot. You think I it was like that it. for Danny Kaye? Like, <laughs> plot, 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 antics. Plot, plot, plot. Sure, because what are you going to, I mean, I mean, what are you going to say to Danny Kaye? Be funny? I, you know, what, I, I, Danny, here's a routine I worked out for you. You're never going to, that's never going to be as good as oh, you don't want to You don't want to lay that on him. Yeah, you no, you don't. Him, no, you don't. Do that, you I know. thought you were going to say that Jackie Chan scripts say, you know, plot, plot, plot. Danny K antics, blah, 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 or <laughs> blah, was, blah, blah, I would Bob bet you, Hope. I would bet you Jackie Chan cites similar influences. You know? yeah, oh, no, surprised. he definitely does. I mean, he, yeah, most, he, he most he certainly probably, does. Yeah. Most certainly, yeah. He loves that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're going to borrow, you know, don't, don't borrow from some schmo you saw on, you know. He yeah, always so said, he always, the best. he always described the difference between him and Bruce Lee as Bruce Lee is, <laughs> you know, and uh, Jackie Chan is, <laughs> right, <laughs> that is right. That is <laughs> right. It's such big pantomimes too. He's always yeah. good at just showing that. I mean, re- really selling in the wrestling terms of oh, that hurts so much. <laughs> well, one one thing Jackie Chan did for kung fu movies, which is seldom mentioned, is he made it accessible for families to go see kung fu movies. Oh. You know, you if you saw kung fu, that was basically like. Well, it's porn. I can't take my kid. It's too violent oh, yeah, for yeah. my kids. But this was violent, but always in a lighthearted way. Like, well, like you know, old, like just old school slapstick. Huh. So kids could go see that movie. He I wasn't a bad guy. He was always a good guy. The reason yeah. I love Jackie Chan is that he holds the record for title in a movie in Super Cop. It's like the Isn't third, the first line. It's in the like movie? the yeah. first or third line in the movie. He turns to him and goes, "We need a super cop." That, after that, I am title. <laughs> I am we have title. I am that, watching yeah. that movie. That, how, how much I, pondering is there going to be in no. that movie? None. <laughs> I just think they should they should just make that illegal to say the title of a movie. In oh, a movie. really? There's no reason. For, I mean, and I, and I mean, I guess it's kind of fun for movie buffs, but if you're just a regular guy watching. You know, uh, I don't know, Sugarland Express. <laughs> we got to take this Sugarland Express till it ends. Did anyone? Oh, ever that's s- just a saying. <laughs> hey, that's do you just a see crazy saying that everybody magic? knows. What that is. Yeah. hall pass? Uh, he gives you a hall pass. That's a horrible <laughs> made-up yeah, word. That, that's a made-up word. Holy shit! It's the Evil Dead. I mean, no one said that. Right? <laughs> yeah, you can't, that. yeah, no, you can't no say that. that. <laughs> you can't. You, you're not allowed to say that. You're, you're allowed to say, say Spider Man. That's okay because sure, that's a name. Spider Man. <laughs> Gonna be silly if you avoid yeah, that entire movie. This is an impossible. You're not allowed to say this. You know, Pineapple Express or something. That's it. That's just not fair. Well, it is August, Osage County, and <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like Spider-Man: The Reckoning, right? That's like the, the colon title, The Reckoning. And hey, now that we're talking about great films, let me ask you the question I ask every guest who comes on the show. Yes, sir. Your favorite now, film of all time, Ted? Oh, this is oh. what we were talking about before. Yes. There are right and wrong answers here. There are right and wrong answers, so I'm going to try and get this one right. Yeah. Let me think very, very Otherwise, carefully about my answer. Into the movie dunce chair. Into the dunce chair, right over there. Um, well, you know, my my the movies I love the most vary. It just depends on my mood. I have a million of them that I love. All. Today, we should ask, what's your favorite movie today? Because I think anybody in this room could have a different... Um, I, you know, normally if people... Like, you know, look, I do a lot of horror, and I do love it tremendously. Um, I would say... But lately, I've been watching um, sort of these old-school adventure movies. Which So right now, my favorite movie of all time is um, uh, is The Man Who Would Be King. 
Oh. It's John Huston movie. Yeah. Uh, Sean Connery with right. Sean Connery. I've never and seen it. One of the it's few Sean Connery movies I actually like. I'm not a big Connery fan. I know you Bond guys are going to kill me, but I'm well, not. but he is. A wife beater, but anyway, yeah, he <laughs> it's, is. It's I really mean, hard to like. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but you know, I mean, his personal, Scottish. yeah, totally. But his personal like, life aside, like I mean, Mel Gibson had to do a lot of good in the '80s for me to even like go, oh, it's whatever. Now, I, I yeah. would say that I like the movie in spite of him. Yeah, yeah. But that's an amazing movie, and that's probably my favorite movie right now of all time. I mean, you know, I can watch. It's one of these movies I can watch a thousand times. Yeah, that was gonna be my watch follow-up. it over and over. That was gonna be my follow-up question, which is the one of the criteria I use in determining my favorite movie is the movie you can watch no matter what. Because there are better movies than my favorite movie, but they are too much of an emotional investment that I can't watch them. Right, right, so right, like, right, right. That for me, one... A Few Good Men is absolutely the best movie ever made. There yeah. isn't a wasted word, a wasted action. No, I'd agree with that. And you can have it on in the background and burn it. Yeah. Like burn a, burn a view. And you Basically. can drop in, you, know, you can like, drop out. You're not you sitting can, down, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's other movies yeah. you just have to invest yourself in from the beginning, and then right. you're done, you're wrecked, you gotta take a nap. Yeah, I mean... Rehydrate. Um, yeah, it's like it's like Stanley Kubrick movies, you know. Like you, you can rail against them, and you can say this and that. And I don't love them all, but I will say this about any Kubrick movie: I can turn it on at any point and be completely sucked into it. Yeah. Oh. No matter what movie it is, you know. Um, I don't love them all. I think my favorite Kubrick movie, though, and this is another weird one, is um, oh man, what is it? Oh, now I can't remember uh, the title. Great. Some titles for great. I brought it up. Doctor Strange Love. No, no, no. See, you're not getting the Lolita, one that I'm thinking. The of. World War One one. No, it's with it's with Ryan uh, O'Neill. <laughs> oh, uh, Barry Lyndon. Barry, Barry Lyndon. I love that movie. Oh man, interesting. Yeah, and you know Kubrick is fa- what I love about Kubrick so much is that he's he's great at getting he's great at getting these kind of. Average actors to give really extraordinary yeah, performances. Ryan O'Neill, yeah, one of the over who knew, uh, right? One of the most overrated actors of uh, the Tom Cruise 70s is another one. Oh, who I look, I'm, I'm people, I think he's got some dynamite moments, but overall, I think he's acceptable and Paul, okay and Paul, stuff. But Paul, your what? guest is getting. Do I need to stop him? <laughs> big Cruise <laughs> fan here. Oh, you big Cruise. What I mean to say is, <laughs> did I say that? I meant phenomenal. Thank you. I don't know. You know, it's funny. You're spending all those years in uh, the Royal Shakespeare Academy, mediocre comes out as phenomenal. That's just the way it is. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing it. But listen, I, I appreciate. Listen, I like him, but, but I don't love him. Going back to Barry Lyndon, interesting thing about that movie, I got on a Kubrick kick when I was in college, and I watched as many of the movies I could, and I watched what I thought was most of Barry Lyndon, and then later, like maybe five, six years later, I, I put it in, or, or it was on, or something like that, and I was like, oh, you know, I don't think I watched the whole thing, and then I sat and watched the whole thing again. Now, that is a boring movie, and yet each time it I is. watch it- It is. a little boring. I all, will watch- All of his movies are kind of boring. Yeah. They're all like a halfway through. I mean, I have not watched 2001 A Space Odyssey once and I've fallen asleep, and then still woken up and gone, wow, that was a yeah. great movie. Oh, <laughs> you know you know the key to finishing strong on uh, on 2001? So there's the final chapter card, Jupiter and Beyond, right? Mm-hmm. And then you got the whole uh, light tunnel and the eyeballs and yeah. the, all the photography and all the photographic tricks, and then, of course, these- Okay. You uh, you can do it on YouTube. Somebody has an HD version, so you don't have to sync it up anymore. But much like people would sync up Wizard of Oz and uh, Dark Side of the Moon, which, right. which works, it's fine. I see you got to work a little bit. You don't have to work at all when you when you put the second side of Pink Floyd's Metal Echoes, <laughs> starting right as soon as the Jupiter and Beyond title okay. goes off, and cue it up. It works. Unbelievable, including the final, <laughs> including the very final crash of the song. 
when Kubrick's name comes up. Okay, I Boom! Wanna... <laughs> I mean, it finishes so strong. And it really is better than that weird music that they have in the movie. Or, or the like dialogue. Yeah. Nobody's favorite. <laughs> or no. the dialogue. There's no dialogue in that. Yeah. No, the classical music, I mean, it's fascinating, but it does detract. What, that, but, but in Barry Lyndon, the classical music does not detract. Oh, no, no, no. Because, because that's, that's really classical. That's, that's classical, like period yeah. music. Yeah, exactly. That's proper period music. Yeah, but. no, but the, the only track that nobody listened to on the 2001 soundtrack is the Jupiter and Beyond music. It's that weird music, right? That's not the good... Yeah, exactly. That's not the good stuff. Yeah. We all like the uh, also <laughs> Zarathustra and all that stuff. Yeah, right. But not the not the music at the end. Now, was that part of uh, not to get into too much about this movie? But was that little that little that little bit was that part of the original soundtrack that Kubrick cut? Because I know there was a whole soundtrack written oh, for Alex that movie. North did Alex a North, right? Soundtrack. Was that was that part of that? I don't know. Because I, I wonder if Stanley Kubrick went, I'm cutting out everything you did in the last month for my movie, but I will keep that track. I know, I don't so even... shut up, Alex. I mean, even that is not an Alex North track, I no. don't think. Yeah. Something else? Which, we had a composer on, on the show last week and revealed that uh, that Alex North was forced on Kubrick. He never wanted to use Alex North's score. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Our guest last week. Yeah, year, I uh, never realized that. Yeah. Most people don't know that, well, when they see all his movies, they just assume that he's British. I know. He's from, I, is this this New Yorker? He's just a New Yorker. Somebody just, just posted a whole hour long. Stanley interview. Kubrick talks like this. Exactly. So he's like, hey, now here's what's going to happen. Barry. So Barry Lennon comes on a fucking room. It's so shocking. I so shocking. And the other thing is too, most people don't know that Merchant Ivory are not. Neither one of them are British. No shit. That surprised. Really? That's no. Really I, I can't remember which is which. One's an well, American. Ismail Merchant. Merchant is the dick. Sound. Ivory's pretty cool. One of them, I, I think, is. Uh, originally in, uh, from India, so it was, speaks with a little bit of a British accent, but he's not British. The other dude's an American. Hmm. How disappointing. Now, uh, <laughs> now listen, here's how we're going to make these goddamn <laughs> British pictures, you see? You come in and you, you bring the them funny tea. little accent, you bring them to you, whatever the fuck uh, you British people do. Speak with that funny little way, and then we'll shoot the damn... And I then mean, no, just you know. uh, put in your head that you're going to die by 35, because we're yeah. in a cold-ass country, and uh, you get to <laughs> sleep in the room yeah. with no uh, heat. But I think... But, I, you know, but it does... But it's funny, like, all those Merchant Ivory movies, <clears throat> um, those, those uh, yeah... Very those, British movies. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that foreign directors have a better take on other cultures. You know what I mean? Like, oh, some yeah. of our most American-looking movies are directed by foreigners. Uh, 12 Years a Slave, which I haven't seen yet, but from the accolades it's getting, that's a British director. I did not know that. And I wonder if you have to be, and a British star, and I wonder, and an Irish star, Michael Fassbender. I wonder if you have to be kind of removed from it all to not have a, a certain take on the history in the U.S. or a certain, maybe, misinformation about the history of <laughs> the might, U.S. Yeah, you, know? you might. Like, I, I don't know if you yeah, have to, but, it, but I think it does lend a unique... Like, um, what's a good example of... Um, um, oh God! Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Michael Curtiz. Oh. <laughs> perfect oh, yeah, example. Yeah, oh. you, I mean, if you watch all those Bogart movies that he directed, you go, "How can America not know what this guy's about?" Come on, I mean, Bogart's you know American New Yorker. I mean, but he looks like. I mean, it, you can't believe Curtiz, but no, you know Curtiz would look like this. <laughs> Where was Curtiz from? I think he was from like Romania or something. I can't hmm. remember. Do you Poland, do any other maybe, directors? Because but... I love the director person. <laughs> that's, that's no, hilarious. but I had no idea you were such an impressionist. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just guessing. Fred Travelina, look out, <laughs> Michael Curtiz. But Michael Curtiz, <laughs> like Fred all men of his time, was uh, a terrible. I mean, he. I think he was just a terrible racist man. There's a lot of stories about his. He's, he was infamously racist. You should tell them now. Yeah, but was that crazy back can then? Can I? I guess I can tell. Well, no, I, I was. Well, I read <laughs> a biography. Not here. I was reading a biography about. It wasn't. It was written by a, a famous DP. DP at the time. I can't remember his name, but he was telling me a Curtiz story. He was telling a Curtiz story in this book 
And uh, I guess right after Gone with the Wind came out, um, uh, everybody was making plantation pictures for like 10 minutes, thinking that was going to get them the <laughs> That Oscar. was the new 3D. Well, it was going to, yeah. <laughs> everybody wanted the Oscar. So I can't remember what studio he was working movies. for. It might have been... Uh, might have been Warner's, but I don't know. But uh, making some low budget plantation picture. I'm not sure you can make a low budget plantation, <laughs> a plantation picture. picture. <laughs> but he was, and in uh, this uh, DP was saying, tell, telling the story. He um, there were a lot of African Americans as extras, of course, and so he said, um, uh, "No, um, you uh, niggers in the back <laughs> move to the front, and uh, you niggers in the front move farther to the back." Oh my God! So the first AD came up to him. He said, <clears throat> um. <laughs> uh, "Michael, <laughs> yeah. nobody calls them that word anymore. It's deeply, deeply offensive. God. They're called colored people. They're not called that. Of course, that was the no African Americans. That was PC. That was PC. So he said, "Okay, you colored niggers in the front." <laughs> Moved to the. I mean, he was terrible. He oh didn't care. God. I think he knew exactly oh. what he was saying, and he was just an awful wow. man. That said, he's a pretty Indeed, good director, but I mean, otherwise, time. he's just a monster. You know, I think he was just a monster. Um, terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Oh but true story, true story. I want to do, um, do a whole special about the filthy, racist, you know, horrible okay, directors. I, I, of a, question. Did you know okay. David Lean? <laughs> <laughs> question. Oh and then we have yet to discuss this film in the room. <laughs> Has everyone, everyone here seen? Uh, um, Birth of a Nation? Sure, that yeah. terrible. I actually yeah. never saw I mean, it. Uh, You've never seen Birth yeah. of a Nation? Okay, you have? Yeah, I'm I'm amazing. Yeah, the one that's uh, amazing <laughs> for its film technique, <laughs> but but awful in oh, it. The yeah. most racist thing most that exists racist. on the planet. Awful. And this is and what's so funny about it, what people don't realize, people uh, say various things about it. What they don't realize is the movie for the first 45 an hour is just the Civil War, right? Right. It's just the Civil War, and it is a great Civil War movie. I mean, they really, they play up the pathos, and they have the families that are ripped apart by the war and I mean it's you know the the winds of war grandiosity and then the war is over and then a completely second movie starts where black people take over our government and they're all sitting around eating watermelon with their feet up on like the senatorial <laughs> desks and Jesus. I mean oh. it's like literally was just like the most KKK guys in it and, and, <laughs> no 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 Paul that's not even it they come to save the day and all of D.W. Griffith's like amazing directing is all on display as the KKK rides in like the Cowboys to save the girls that are being raped by the blacks who have taken oh over God. the United States. I know it's, un- it's unbelievable. Amazing, what? amazing, crazy, horrifying. But it's a great movie. And what's <laughs> director directing wise? Yeah, I mean, well, they're not, I mean, that, they're not wrong. Even the part with the you know. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think that's why we sort of are forced to watch that movie because it's one of the first pictures that has I think close ups and oh, yeah, medium yeah, shots and, exactly. and well, that it was one of the film. first movies. And the parallel you watch. editing too with the people coming and the people right. Yeah, that's right. But it's the first movie you're told to watch. It when you're a film student, we watched it in college. They were because it's the film that totally canonized how American movies would be made yeah. forever, which is disguising that's what cuts. I think, is that, I think and, it's hilarious uh, you know, that that's, that's the that subject stuff. matter yeah. for the most groundbreaking <laughs> no, film since Nanook film of the school. North. It is a film school of, <laughs> Canon, of yeah. how you do racism. That. Amazing yeah. <laughs> of <laughs> racism <laughs> as well. But you know what's kind of great? I was just I watched uh, this evening. I was watching. Um, I saw a, the, a remake of Twelve Angry Men. It was a. It was a. TV, it was weird. Like, it was a TV, made-for-TV movie, made in 97, directed by William Friedkin. What? Uh, 12, yeah. William Friedkin did a 12 Angry Men? He certainly did, and oh. it was made in 97. I'd see that. And um, it I was really yeah. good. But it, but, to, but it was great, because they recast it. It was half African-American now, the cast, in this version I saw, and it works great. 
believe it, it works uh-huh. great. Like you, because the the subject matter is racism, but it works great because I mean all these people are now racist against somebody else. Mm. But um, it was fascinating and kind of great and uh, well cast. Well w- worth seeing. Jersey Scott in the uh, Lee J. Cobb role. So it worked mm. really, really good. 97, so that's from the director of Jade at that time, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rules of Engagement. Was that? Rules of Engagement. Which, actually, I kind of like that movie. I, I like that, too. I enjoyed it. But um, um, <coughs> it was weird. That, that, that famous uh, movie was originally a TV movie, which they released as a movie and then remade into a TV movie. It's so weird. Hmm. Now the subject of 10,000 high school plays. Yeah, but the original was direct. Who directed the original? Wasn't that Sidney Lumet? I think it was Sidney Lumet. Yeah, Yeah. I've I've never seen it, but I'm a huge Lumet fan. Me Uh, too. Going back to what you claim to be your favorite genre, what's your favorite horror film then of all time? Oh yeah. Oh man, favorite horror film. That's that's tough. That's tough. I would um, all the way. Man, I don't know. I just know movies that I. Is it because you know there's a wrong answer? I shouldn't have put that. No, 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 no. It's not just wrong. I feel bad. I mean, there's, there's. I don't. I don't. You know, I'm not a big traditional horror movie guy in terms of like movie monsters and vampires and stuff like that. I like things modern day horror, Mm -hmm. which is like war and movies about what we. I think just modern day horror stuff. I I love um I like thought provoking sort of horror movies. Like I like um right now I'm watching a lot the uh, The Beast, um, which is um Oh the uh uh that one. That's yeah, the Afghanistan movie? Yeah, it's was that very, Jason Patrick? It's, it's, yeah, that uh, William S. Oh, Antonio wrote George, the play yeah, for yeah. George George how do you pronounce his name? Zunda? Zunda, Zunda I think it's, it's Zunda. Z-Z-U-N-D-A, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's great. And that's he was a in completely movie horrifying from movie too. I do like I do like but on the classic sense I do like cat people a lot. Which that one? movie's really oh, the original. Here? No, the original one. The original, yeah. The original one. I love I love that movie. It's so upsetting and um, now, which one's the original one? Which, That's the Jacques Tournier. What year? That's, I don't know. 40, 50? about 50? 50? Okay. 50? I don't know. So Late, it wasn't, it wasn't the 53? Might, might be 53. It wasn't the one in 86 that I watched on HBO a lot? No. Okay. <laughs> no. That's 82, and that I completely fell in love with the, Natasha Kinski. Natasha Kinski, Kinski. Oh, Kinski yeah. She's so sure. in that oh, movie. Oh, oh, my God. Boing. But yeah. those, but what's, you know, I mean, I, I, it just happens to be kind of a weird kind of great movie, but what I loved about it, I mean, and, and also, I mean, he... Tournay pioneered the shock scare noise. Mm. It was before really? Tournay, they didn't have quiet, quiet, quiet. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. They didn't have that cats jumping out. He he did all that. Although crap. in his movie, I guess it was cats jumping out. Maybe he invented the cat scare. <laughs> he as might well. have invented the cat scare. <laughs> he might have invented the cat scare. <laughs> I mean, he took he took. They this, were using puppies before yeah, then. They <laughs> were. There's no oh work. oh, it's just yeah. a cat. It's holy shit, it's a cat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know he took. Uh, um, he was taking that sort of German expressionist look, mm-hmm. but then updating it with a, an American pacing. You know what I mean? It was like snappy as opposed to like Euro boring, you know, <laughs> so it made it very cool. Do, do you, uh, at, at Halloween time, do you like pack up the horror movies? Like I get obsessed for like the last, the two weeks before Halloween, just nothing, horror movies after oh, horror, yeah. movie, horror movie. Oh, it's yeah. It's so great to have a fest and to pull the lights out and oh, it's so great. Well, I get, I get hung up, like I don't get any work done because I, you know, every channel's like, yeah, Scary Monday. <laughs> so I go, oh, I got to watch all yeah, those I'm not going anywhere. stupid yeah, movies. They're, they're, I got to watch, Monday you know, shut. Yeah, yeah I've <laughs> got to watch Leprechaun 9. You know, oh, I and, have to watch and, that. And Gosh, I hope they don't have Spooky Tuesday, otherwise I'm never going to get anything Tentacles. <laughs> I think Leprechaun's the funniest franchise ever made. That they, they, I don't know if there's another long, long-running franchise which is, you know, which is trying to be 
funny and horror at the same time. Oh, yeah. This lasted so long. There wasn't originally intention to be parody. Leprechaun? It, it wasn't a, a ne- initially a parody. It was yeah, supposed to be. I mean, it's supposed to be a little silly, but it wasn't. Yeah. A par- it wasn't like the Scream movies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it was like it was just its own weird vibe, and then it became absurd. But Child, by the time Charles Lepre- played me a good move with that. Charles yeah. played me a great move to to move completely to comedy by the fourth movie. <laughs> yeah, the son of Chucky and the bride of Chucky. Right, and- but that was done really well. Uh, very, very well they done. They did it really well, yeah. But what's really funny is because I watched all those for this last Halloween. Those were all shown on uh, one of the FearNet or something like that. And uh, they uh, once you watch the Seed of Chucky and the Bride of Chucky, and I watch them kind of out of order and stuff, and then watch the original. But then you're just like, hey, is, by three, it is hard to believe they're taking themselves seriously. Still, <laughs> you're like, you don't realize this is just not that uh, not that great anymore. But they luckily they clearly realized it and moved on. Yeah. So this also did a good job, I think, of combining horror and and, uh, comedy. It's only been a few hours since I've translated and spoken aloud the first of the demon resurrection passages from the (laughs) Book of the Dead. Evil Dead, of course. Evil Dead, yeah. How old were you when Sam shot Evil Dead? The first one? Yeah. I was 13 or 14. Oh, wow. Were you able to go watch it shot at all? Yeah, my parents thought it would be a good idea for me to, you know, to like go, you know, well... They wanted me to go down to Wilmington, excuse me, to Tennessee, to be with my brother for a couple of reasons. One, they thought it'd be good for me, yeah, just to just to go see how something's done and yeah, how yeah. something's built. But also, so That's they flew me down too. there. So they flew me down there, but then also yeah, they wanted <laughs> they want they wanted uh, <clears throat> me to check up on Sam to make sure he wasn't you know Going killing crazy. himself. Because <laughs> it was yeah. cold and rainy and wet and why it was shooting Tennessee. So well, send the thirteen-year-old to they make were sure everything's shoot, okay. They, yeah, <laughs> I think I was fourteen. It might have been even, yeah, about, I was about fourteen. Well, they they were going to shoot in Michigan, but but it was just too. They were shooting in the winter time, so they wanted a warmer climate. Yeah. So they wound up going to Tennessee to sort of sub for Michigan. Those woods, you know, yeah. you know, we don't have Appalachians in Michigan, so it looks a little weird. All those mountains, you know. It's like, <laughs> I didn't know there were 150 foot cliffs off of Michigan. <laughs> there aren't. Um, but I, when I got off the plane. Um, I, you know, the, I, Sam greeted me and, uh, he was like, how you doing? I went, great. How's mom and dad? Great. They give you any money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I got like a hundred bucks to spend over this week. You know, this was back in, you know, 79, hundred bucks was like, like 200 yeah. bucks or something. I was like for, you know, I was like, yeah, it's just for my food and stuff. He goes, let me have it. <laughs> I go, why? He goes, I'm broke. <laughs> if you don't give it to me, we're not going to eat. I went. All right, I, t- I guess I'm doing that. So I was like totally broke, and you know, then I'm like, <laughs> "Welcome to Hollywood." Just eating crap. I mean, the worst, nastiest craft service, you know. But I didn't know any better. I was like, "I guess this food's free, so I'll eat it." But it was pretty frightening. So you fed the crew of Evil Dead, <laughs> or your mom did, I guess. Uh, no, uh, te- technically, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't. Well, know you got a producer I, credit I out of it, right? Because you were financing it now. <laughs> technically, That's how yes. it works. Yeah. No, it's, it works the way it happened to me, which is you finance it, but you don't get credit, and you get shaken down. And for you your get money. shaken yeah, down too. for your money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. You're right. No, I, I think I remember from the commentary track. Aren't you like the when there's like severed hands and feet? Are that is that you or something? Yeah, that's yeah. right. I think I remember. Yeah. hearing that that was one really funny thing. I think about the fact that that uh, then you were you're in Evil Dead Two, where you play Henrietta, the possessed. Uh, in right. Yeah. Sure. What's so funny about it is such a brotherly thing to like torture your little brother like that. It's so funny. It's like just beat you up, make you like go under the floorboards of a cabin and stick your feet through and yeah. stay there for hours, take your money and then dress you in like thousand pounds of stick latex. A bunch of plaster on your face. <laughs> sure. 
it's, uh, the, it's such a brotherly relationship. <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, it, it was it was fine. I mean, I was grateful that uh, I could get my 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 SAG card. That's how I ultimately got my SAG card. Right, right. I thought it would be really easy. I thought, well, all I have to do is put this costume on and it'll give me my SAG card. That was gonna be the easiest way to get my SAG card. It was like the fucking hardest way <laughs> in the world. You had to prove that was you or what? <laughs> no, it was just because normally actors come on and they go. Yes, I did it. I killed John Robbins. Great. Okay, get your SAG card. Go in and first AD. He'll get, take care of you. Walk to your trailer. You're wrapped. That's it. I'm a, I'm a SAG actor. Uh, for me, it was like, okay, now your day starts at 3. You get makeup put on until 8 o'clock, out on the set at 9. Full costume, full body makeup. The set was like 95 degrees. Inside the costume was like 110 degrees. So wow. I did that for weeks, you know, and I, and I was like, this is the dumbest idea I ever had in my life. But I had a great time making it, and it was the crew and the rest of the cast was great. And, uh, you know, it was, look, it, it, at the very least, it would be the equivalent of if you're an architect and your first job as an architect is to uh, basically, you know, dig out a latrine at the base of your new dig site. And then you go, wow, there's nothing hard about being an architect at all. And that's sort of how I felt about that. It was the first big job I had. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, I don't think actors ever have to do anything that hard. I had an oxygen tank for Christ's sakes. You know, like Ugh. between takes, yeah, I was, I was breathing out of degrees. an oxygen tank so I wouldn't pass out. Yeah, but I thought that that's just what it was. I didn't really know any better, and so. But when I got through with it, you know, you I would do Sam's other horror gonna, movies. Sam's not going to tell you. No, and I would do other <laughs> horror movies, and they'd go. Hey, you might have to put a little blood on you. Is that okay? <laughs> and they were like really cautious because I know actors, you know, because a lot of actors freak out if they get like any sticky and bread and crap put on them and stuff, um, you know, that isn't like a Sunday or something. So, but yeah. So well, you was, had to do that because you weren't, uh, you didn't have the other option available to you that most people engage when they get their SAG card, uh, which is just to blow the director. So <laughs> No, I didn't have that option. That's awkward. Um, very awkward. I did not. Very I did awkward. not. But um, but at that point, I'd already been working, though, too. And so, yeah. I mean, I knew I didn't have my SAG card, but I'd already been doing a lot of non-union stuff for, for like, GM and Chrysler and Ford and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, you for, started acting in, like, uh, uh, industrials or commercials uh, yeah, a lot in of them. Detroit? A lot, lots and lots of them, yeah. I, oh. I, I kind of cut my teeth in the, you know, delivering lines doing that. I did a ton of them. And, and it was great because in Detroit, back in those days, this was, like, you know, 1987, 88, mm-hmm. there were only, I would only go up against like four or five other guys. Because there's not there's any not other actors, actors in Detroit, Detroit, but there's a lot of stuff to shoot. So it was great. Huh. And I, I, I was used so much that, and I was such a, there was such a small acting pool that I would, I remember one week I did a commercial for GM about how great they were to the union, an industrial film. And then another week, a UAW spot <laughs> about how shitty GM was to them. <clears throat> they were both going to completely separate oh audiences. Yeah, and they were both, you know, I mean, they would both have, and that what was hilarious is that there was just the hypocrisy on both sides was absurd because they were both saying how sweet and gentle they were. And meanwhile, all these lunches were like crack crab from Italy and crap. <laughs> both, I mean, it's UAW too. I mean, they had plenty of dough. It was it was hilarious. I mean, it just. That's amazing. Yeah. That's was, a true Detroit story. Yeah, a Detroit really, acting story. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, I did I did a ton of those and it was it was great. I mean. Well, I'm sure you didn't contribute to the uh, craft service of this uh, of when you played this part, let's play a little highlights from. <laughs> He's got these clips. He's got clips. Spider-Man. He's got Ted clips. Ted Raimi. 
This is your life. <laughs> Hoffman? Yeah? Oh, we have a page one problem. Shut up. They're really important clients. They can't wait. They're about to. Mr. Jameson, it's like this. We double book page six. See, so both Macy's and Conway's both have three quarters of the same. Move Conway to page seven. There's a problem with page seven. I make it page eight and give them 10% off. Okay. I make it 5%. That can't be done. Get out of here! Hoffman! <laughs> what are we going to call this guy? Uh, uh, Dr. Octopus. That's crap. That's... Wait, wait. I got it. Dr. Octopus. <laughs> but, uh, I like it. Of course you do. <laughs> What are you looking for? A raise? Get out! <laughs> oh, so. Those were great. Those were it was wonderful. That that was yeah. That mo- those movies were great fun to act with um, J.K. Simmons. Oh you know, those, it was like doing old school old school movie comedy. It is. That's totally yeah. classic comedy. Right? It's not yeah. the yeah. first time we've played That's J. Howard Jonah Hawks. Jameson clips on the show. He just cracks us up. We constantly are playing and yeah, they're yelling they're, they're and screaming. Fun to do. It's I great. Mean, but you know, I'm, I guess playing idiots when I do comedy, playing idiots my forte. You know, that's what I do best. So, but it's just perfect in that sort of uh, my fair lady style of yeah. just the fast dialogue. And I mean, I, I said this to Paul uh, earlier today over email. It will it, you know forget Ben Affleck or forget whoever's being cast? Did they just cast Wonder Woman? Right? Mm-hmm, they did. Oh, they did. They did. She's going also going to be in the Batman Superman movie. I say go for it. I love how the Avengers has made everyone all nervous and they're like, oh, we have to make we have to put every superhero in a movie. Like, yes, if they over. Overreach, it'll be an awesome overreach. I can't wait to anyway. see you place the Flash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's a TV show. Anyway, the point is, you get me caught on superheroes. But but I say, you know, forget Ben Affleck. No character will ever be adapted from the comics better than J. Jonah Jameson. I just you just can't. No, they, he did, they did a great job <laughs> casting him, and uh, he he was perfect. You know, and what a, what a great career he's had so far too. I mean, he's, from that character in Oz, not the movie of the TV show. You yeah, know, he's that yeah. terrible racist guy. And then he goes to playing that goof, and then he's, you know, whatever, what's-her-face's dad in that uh, pregnancy Juno. movie. She's fantastic oh, in that yeah, movie. That's you right. know, so he's played him, he does everything. You know? He was the only highlight for me in Burn After Reading. And Lady He Killers. was good. Yeah. I did oh, not yeah. see that movie. <clears throat> you're uh, lucky. I missed that movie. Burn, Burn After Reading? Yeah. Yeah, I hear that's one of those Cohen things where you watch it the second time, you're like, oh, no, it's brilliant. Sorry, I thought it was that. <laughs> yeah, I, gotta, like, I, I mean, it's that happens sometimes. I gotta I, give it that second view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where I can't get to. <laughs> I can't get to actually sitting down and watching it a second time. Yeah. Yeah. But the uh, Lady Killers, he's great too. So he showed up in. A he was in Burn After Reading, right? I remember yeah. yeah. And David Rashi. Yes. In Second City, oh. which I love seeing him. He was Sledgehammer, right? Sledgehammer. Oh, yeah. Sledgehammer. Love that. Did you ever watch sitcom? Sledgehammer? No, sitcom. I never watched those camera, but I did. But I did. What was that? A oh, sitcom. Like what was it about? But yeah, it was, was like it making fun of Dirty Harry. Yeah, like he was always pulling his gun and shooting things and blowing things up and messing things up. So it was a Dirty Harry off his boss. Total like police squad version of oh, Dirty okay. Harry. Oh, yeah. okay, right, right, right. No, I did not see that, but I but I loved I loved uh, Get Smart. Ah, yes. Get now smart. they need, they should make a new version of that. So something new. Do they have anything like that now? They tried, right? Well, they did Steve Carell. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see it. No, a TV show version. Oh, oh no. no, that was a movie. No, it would be great. A TV show, yeah. a funny. Don I mean, Adams. He was a the funniest show I've ever seen ever. in the world. I mean, of course, it had squad. to be. They had to be. Mel- yeah, that was awesome. I mean, eight episodes or something crazy. Police Far too squad. few. What funny- show? Police Squad. Oh, Police Squad. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Minute minute for minute, some of the funniest comedy that's I don't ever know why that show like just belly jokes flopped. A, sh- a half I don't hour. Know. Yeah. It's because, like, Zucker had made, like, nine million movies at that point. It only yeah. made, like, three or something. I don't know. Like, do you, that wasn't enough. I bet but. you do a good Don Adams. <laughs> that's a dare. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do Don Adams. Oh, okay. Missed it by that. No, that was me. That's close. They call me the craw. The craw? <laughs> Not the craw. The craw. <laughs> the craw? <laughs> <laughs> Those were great, and I mean, it, it did take a guy like Mel Brooks to put something like that together. Though. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's going to be, 
you know, just totally inappropriate humor, <laughs> but still funny after all these years. I mean, just absurd. You know, I think there's, you know, it's funny. Like I think Brooks is probably past the point where you know he's he can let himself not make racist jokes. You know, I don't know if he's capable <laughs> of it. He's anymore. no Michael Curtiz. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's any Michael. Curtiz. Thank God, nobody is like Michael Curtiz. God, I don't know if that. I mean, I, you know. Man, that would happen today. That guy would rightly get lynched. Uh, <laughs> well, there'd be video of it. Unbelievable. Yeah, they'd yeah video there'd be, there'd be doing some it. extra with a camera. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yes. So continue. My next question is in lieu of Karen not being here, uh, she would want me to ask because you were in Stuart Saves His Family. Oh, oh and yeah. She finds that oh, one great. of the most underrated uh, films of all time. And so do you, I. So, so do I. I want to get your opinion. You think so yeah. as well? Yeah, I do too. And uh, um, Harold Ramis directed it. Yeah. And. Um, um, Al Franken was in it. That movie got so lambasted by the critics. That was, well, just a side note before I continue. On my resume, um, um, it just so happens I was in one of the top 10 highest grossing films of all time, which is Spider-Man 2. Mm -hmm. In addition, I was in, as far as major movie releases of all time, in the one of the bottom 10 flops of all time, which is Stuart Saves His Family. And I think it was made for... 24 million or something like this, maybe a little more, more than that. Sorry, we had some big star power in that, maybe 30 something. And I think it grossed under well, something like gross, like something like I don't know, 35 thousand, $50,000. Oh, yeah. It was a serious flop. Some of it was a releasing too. I think the studio felt it was so bad they just kind of shuffled it out the door in a couple theaters and then dumped it. But yeah, but yeah, I thought it was terrific. It's so. a very sweet movie, yeah, absolutely. It's a, I only had a little part in it, but I, I, I was very, I felt uh. Very uh, grateful that I was in that thing, no, and um, I really enjoyed Harold Ramis and uh, Laura yeah. Sanders. So you got to get directed by Harold Ramis. Yeah, it was it was it was great. You know, he's just such a comic genius. You know, oh, who are your favorite directors you've been directed by? You've been directed by so many. Well, you know, I I think um, oh man, out of my favorites, um, you know, I ones that I okay, thought, the fact that you haven't mentioned, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your brother, right away. Oh, you yeah. sure? Oh, well, <laughs> well, no, of course. I, mean, I, I was, I was uh, without uh, saying. Uh, no, no, I was, I was, I was <laughs> working with Sam. I, I do. I, I mean, I, one... I don't. I don't consider him like some strange, weird dude that I worked <laughs> yeah. with. So I, it didn't come to mind yeah. right away. He already had an opinion on Sam when Sam directed him. <laughs> I had an opinion on him when I was born. Yeah, um, <laughs> he shook me down for a hundred bucks. Other come than on. Sam, um, I, you know, I liked working a lot with uh, Wes Craven. Oh, I enjoyed working with Wes Craven a lot. He was interesting. You know, Wes is an interesting guy because. He's shocker? the most undirected. He's one of the most under. I like working with directors who don't seem directory. Hmm. They they take you by surprise as an actor. You know, you 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 are thrown to left field very quickly and frequently after that because you don't think they're going to be giving you direction, but they always do. Wes appears to be a substitute college history professor. Oh, <laughs> he's the guy who comes in with the, you know, the goatee and the, you know, and the brown patches, which is what he looks like when he walks on set. And you think he's the guy who goes, "And now what page were you all on?" <laughs> he's that guy. That's awesome. And then that's his vibe, you know, and you go, "I can't believe this guy is like this incredibly brilliant horror director." The other guy who I love being directed by was Toby Hooper. Oh, um, and Toby! Toby's another one that comes out of left field, and he's really, really good with actors. You wouldn't think. What it. film was it? Yeah, what's he? Oh, like? I did a Showtime movie for him a few years ago. Oh, uh, Masters, Masters of Horror. Horror. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that serious. And yeah. uh, Toby, uh, well, Toby, Toby's a uh, you know, it's just kind of an old Texas hippie now. Yeah. <laughs> was a young Texas hippie when he made Texas Chainsaw, but you know, Toby, Toby talks like this, man. Really? He comes oh in, my God. Hey, <laughs> uh, here's an idea. You're gonna walk in there, see. 
And he and whenever Toby really liked something, he'd go, he'd go, way cool, man. Yeah, way cool. So he was, you know, he's the guy who you can't now. He's, uh, you know, some kind of a Texas hick. He is not, you know. Um, but he is highly sophisticated, very smart man. That said. He does look a little bit like the dude you buy beer from near Waco, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> he he, he is a little bit like that, you know. Yeah, he's a little bit. So he totally takes you by surprise. But his direction is astute. He's uh, got a really great control and a and a and a, a great vision about what his stuff should look like and and sees it through. He's an interesting guy. So I enjoyed working with him too. You know. Um, yeah, I think Poltergeist. Mike is Nichols one of the was greats. cool too. I enjoyed. Mike Nichols was a was a. Oh, he was. Legend. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know. I also when I auditioned for, I, I was one of my first moves I ever did. I was only like twenty. Which movie of his? Postcards from the Edge. Oh, I have one line. I have huh. one line with Meryl Streep in that movie. That's it. I'm just. I'm this order. This stupid orderly um, <laughs> at a hospital, and I say what. That's all I say. Here's your sidecar. But you got yeah. to watch Mike Nichols. That was direct. a lot easier, huh? So what, what's that? But you got to watch Mike Nichols direct. How I got to that? watch Mike Nichols Second direct, City. and then Second he, City, oh, Second City, all those comedy albums. I used to own all of them. Yes. Like Lane May, amazing. Oh man, amazing. they were so funny. I'd listen to him again, and then when I met him, I didn't even think of his face. I was just thinking of that voice. You know, nah. he's got, you know, he's got that uh, oh. voice, Mike Nichols. You know, he kind of sounds like this. <laughs> you know, he's just got that. I don't know. He's just he's got this sonorous voice. That, you know, that is that is the <laughs> amazing thing that the sound of that voice. When I met Dan Aykroyd. I was so shocked to hear Dan Aykroyd's voice come out of him. <laughs> but I don't know why I should be. Obviously, it's going to, but that he's it's such a particular voice. But it comes out of a movie screen. It doesn't come out of a guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? It's the same thing yeah, Mike Nichols. Out. You're like, oh, it's Mike Nichols' voice coming out of, well, Mike yeah. Nichols, but of course. But. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you know, I mean, of course, obviously, The Graduate and all that stuff. But 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 Love that it. aside, you know, it's, I just kept thinking about those, those brilliant comedy albums I just... Listen to him a thousand times over. I could watch the first half hour of The Graduate over and over yeah. and over, and often do. I mean, he just <laughs> he directed the whole thing well, but there's some crafting in that first half hour that I just can go on. Not the and least on of which, about. Dustin Hoffman is the ultimate ultimate wasp. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else could have gotten away with that acting wise or directing wise. It's just it's too weird, but well, it kind of yeah. weirdly works. Yeah, that why. was a huge like fight that Nichols had to put up for that, right? Yeah, because I would imagine. you got Dustin sure. Hoffman playing a wasp. Do we know right. who? I can't remember the story, but you know, who it's they like, originally cast. It's like and you know and Jackie Mason as John F. Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? I'm sorry. Who are you casting? Is what? Jackie I'm the president, the president of the United States of America. <laughs> I don't want to go to Texas. I might get shot. I might get sit in the car. I want to be there. Mister, why do I have to go? I don't like I don't like eating pig's legs. I don't know about that. Jews don't go to Dallas. Jews don't go, Jews don't go to Dallas. <laughs> they don't go to Texas. <laughs> we don't I mean, want the but, but it is a weird piece of casting putting him in that was just absolutely bizarre yeah well that's just one of those choices and and, and and you know Nichols had to fight for that nobody wanted that and so you're like man how did he just he just knew that this would all work I mean obviously you know you recognize that Dustin Hoffman's talented but sticking to your guns to that degree you know he, yeah, and if yeah and if you're listening and you're going legendary oh, oh the guy from uh, Meet the Fockers no okay go back watch The Graduate <laughs> Little Big Man Midnight Cowboy and watch the range oh. in those three mm-hmm. performances within that happened within like five years or, yeah. or less. Yeah, than he's amazing. Dustin Hoffman is he amazing. is amazing. Still is amazing. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny just thinking back to like you know, do directors get to pick and fight, or is it better to have producers tell them? 
And you can, and this argument goes back and forth and back and forth a thousand times. Producers like to cite the fact they'd like to go back 30, 40 years, 50 years to when they made all the decisions directors made none of them, casting wise, mm. or almost none of them. Yeah. Those movies, on the whole, were very successful. The studios did very, very, very well. But the difference is that in those days, those guys like, um, you know, Lemley and and uh, Warner Brothers and all those guys, they started out as theater owners. They sat in the theaters and watched all the movies come in. They knew year in, year out, being in the audience, hmm. watching all those movies, exactly what audience members like to see. Uh, interesting. But MBAs do not have that. Huh. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's half, maybe half and half. I don't know what the, I don't know, but but I certainly, the reason, part of the reason those guys were able to pick such great, great guys, why guys like, you know, Jack Warner was able to find, you know, a Bogart and a, and a Cagney and stuff is because they were sitting in their own crappy theaters in New York back in the 20s going, well, that actor's good, that actor's bad, these audiences likes this, the audience doesn't like that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think a practical experience is a, is a, is a, matters a lot. Uh, I want to move on to what did you see this week? Did you have another question? Uh, I had a couple more, but yeah, I can ask him after. Uh, uh, well, first of all, this uh, question comes from my sister, Jessie. Uh, she uh, is 18 years younger than me, but we have yes. the exact same tastes in horror and uh, indie film and everything yes. like that. She uh, There is a Candyman remake coming out, and she wanted to know if a certain <laughs> hunky biker would be showing <laughs> back up hunky, in Candyman. A hunky biker. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I know I, you know I don't think I'm going to be in that movie, but um, at least not that I know of, but... The answer is I don't know, um, <laughs> but uh, I I think it, it's it's worthy of a remake. It's a pretty timeless story, yeah. um, and Bernard Rose I think made it into something really really unique. And uh, he's he's a, he's a great director, and uh, I hope whoever they got directing this thing is going to be as good. Yeah, no that that was one of those those horror movies where you're like, oh, the director is taking this very seriously and not just trying to knock one out. Down to the gl- music by. Philip Glass. Philip Glass. In any other horror movie? I don't know how Phillip he pulled Glass? that off. <laughs> I don't know how and he pulled that off. it's a great score. I did not know that. It is a great score. score. I remember when he when he when he bagged him and that I remember Bernard uh talking to him at a party and uh, before uh long before uh, I mean two months before the movie came out and he went <laughs> That's how you love to laugh, Bernard. <laughs> do, do you know who I've got for the? You know who I've got? Philip Glass. <laughs> you know, he was like classic. He's just so excited. And I went did you just say Philip Glass? Philip Glass, as in? <laughs> I was like, how did that happen? Not that Bernard is not a uh, without his charms, but it is a horror movie, and Philip Glass is Philip Glass. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But you know, there, there it goes. Um, ah, what a great choice! It was a crazy score. What's your favorite awesome. Twilight Zone episode? <sighs> wow, that's a tough one. I, I would say maybe kick. Uh, kick the can, perhaps, or or uh, terror at thirty five thousand feet. That's a great one. That's an Shatner, awesome one, of course. Um, but um, I don't think there's one that completely sucks. Yeah. So that's a that's kind of like going, you know, what's your favorite color, M M&M? and M? I mean, it's like, well, <laughs> I guess green or red, but they're all pretty freaking good. I I just saw a new one. Uh, and I, I was uh, gotten a kick where every morning I woke up and I watched a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, it was it was ha- Halloween. Usually I wake up and watch a cartoon in the morning. Yeah, that's just how I set my day. But at Halloween I was like, eh, it doesn't feel right watching cartoons. Uh, yeah, so I picked a Twilight Zone to watch every day. Saw one. It was great. It begins on a sub on a uh, uh, um, 
a ship in World War II, and a guy realizes that the ship is going to be uh, bombed the, the by a commander. U boat commander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tries to tell everybody yeah. on the ship. I think Serling wrote that one. Okay. I'm pretty sure he did. Serling, what a genius. Uh, he wrote about half of them. That's an amazing amount of output. Yeah, he just told me, he just reintroduced me to it being on Netflix. Ooh, yeah. So oh, yeah. Just yeah, hit yeah. Netflix, start watching yeah. Twilight Zones. But that's had, a great one. A yeah. I mean, he, do you know, he, he would, uh, he had, he had a, he had a story that informed his whole life with, and this story, I, if I tell when Certainly. I tell you, yeah, that 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 would not be surprising at all. It, which is was this during World War II, he was you know one of these he was in the Pacific Theater and the Navy, and uh, he was one of these poor schmoes who was they took some crap island, a uh, small one, uh, fairly unimportant, but they sent him and like maybe thirty other guys in a little patrol to go just guard it for wow. about a month. So they had to be there for a month, just sitting there with you know their, you know Garin rifles, just waiting for <sighs> in case any Japanese came by. Wow. So they're holding this island, but they're starting to starve, and they have no communication. Uh, they don't have radio, Whoa. and they're starving, and uh, like uh, they're down to their last. When finally this um, uh, cargo plane goes over, U.S. cargo plane, and their their captain says, "Serling, you <clears throat> and your buddy, who was his best friend since childhood." Get up on that hill, guide the plane, put flares and smoke, make sure they drop at the right place. So they do, and they do drop at the right place, but the crate of food they were waiting for lands right on his friend and kills him. <gasps> oh. Whoa. And he said that informed Jesus. his whole life. And, I mean, it's not surprising. That's much like a Twilight Zone episode. It's just yeah. the, it's the ultimate sort of absurdity yeah. that the thing they were waiting for, it wasn't a soldier, it wasn't the war at all. It was just just bad luck. Life-giving food that wow. crushed his friend and killed him. Yeah, exactly. We're, you're Lord. going to starve and die, and finally the food's here. Yeah, and it's you a, die. that really happened. Well, that is a Twilight Zone. Yeah, and um, you know, and it's not surprising too. He came from this little upstate New York town, and uh, hence the name of his company. You know, Cayuga Productions. Cayuga. Oh, there you oh, go. Yeah, and yeah. Um, but uh, so many of his stories are about going back to little towns. Hmm. Hmm. Which I think and something weird about. happens. Also, not unlike what uh, upstate New York. Yes. <laughs> Either you go back and you do something, or you go back and you die, or you go back and you're young <laughs> yeah, again, yeah. you go back and something happens. There's Journey on the radio, and it's 2012. You're trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Did you I'm, say I'm, there's Journey on the radio? Yeah, like the journey, band yeah, Journey? Yeah. yeah. Every time I go back to upstate, my family's actually you're from You're basically upstate going well. back in time it's now if you go back war. to upstate <laughs> yes. You're like, why is REO Speedwagon in heavy rotation here? What's going on? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Picture a man. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you're in Kingston, New York. Oh, okay, that explains it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I want to fire up another version of... What? 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 What did you see? What did you see this week? I love this. <laughs> this is great. So yeah, that, that that theme song is on the fence. What do you think? You like it? I love it. Right. See, I love it. <laughs> it's I love it the... that it's short and that it's over. I feel bad I didn't get you a theme song. No, I'm kidding. I do love. It. I'm just teasing. Actually, I'm jealous because it's really pretty cute. He, he brought <laughs> his own. No, that. But the main question of the theme, of course, is what did you see this week? Yeah, you're asking me. I'm, to the table. Well, well, I went to. Uh, I took the. Uh, I took the uh, train. The LA's, LA has a public transportation. For those of you who don't live here, I thought really we voted does. that down. I know it, but but it really is here. And uh, I took the train um, from uh, my my home here in uh, Toluca Lake to uh, Koreatown, and there I saw a movie called Eleven A.M. 11 a.m. Which is very confusing walking into the movie because the movie started at 2. So I say, is this at 2 o'clock, 11 a.m.? <laughs> the theater guy went, thought a minute, he went, yes. <laughs> but it was. And it's a, it's a time, it's a Korean movie. It's a time travel movie. Oh. It's a sci-fi horror picture. 
um, about, uh, of course, a time it's a time machine movie, and um, a man and a, a group of people on this. Uh, it's a very strange plot. Manning and uh, monitoring an underwater nuclear station, which is strange, but it's true. Um, test. They need the power of this nuclear generator to test this time machine. They do, but in doing so, they trigger this terrible loop that they all have to keep living through. Oh, it's a very wow. strange, awesome kind of weird horror horror oh. picture. So that's what I that saw. That starts at eleven a.m. Groundhog Day, I just movie. but in a terrible, terrible way. It's a great oh, idea. Wow, super An experiment cool. triggers the effect, and then they just. They must keep reliving this terrible, terrible day, and, and there's no way out of it. Um, I don't know what it is about the, uh, some Asi- Asian movies. Have, Asian horror movies are very interesting in that very seldomly do people deserve to die, but they do. Like, it's weird. Like, we, we do have an old-school sort of um, puritanical uh, uh, idea here in horror movies that you first must do something bad, and because of your actions, the universe will, or God or whatever, will destroy you with the you know, yeah. um, or kill you or cause you to suffer in some way if you don't die. But in f- so many Asian movies I see that are, have, have horror elements in it, you just die because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> you're just standing under the wrong place and then you just get either possessed or zapped back in time or just, just squished by luck. Godzilla. Yakuza just yeah. takes you out. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting. But uh, anyway, that's what I saw. You guys? Now, I saw, I'm going to answer real quickly, because I saw a movie, and I can't remember what it was, but it it either had Vince Vaughn or Kevin James, it had something to do with this holidays, (laughs) a lesson was learned, greed was the theme, and they went home. Fill in the blanks. Who was in it? I I can't. It was one of those people. Doesn't matter. That's 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 like a hundred different movies. It was on TV. You saw a holiday movie. I saw a holiday movie, yes. That's okay. (laughs) Holiday movies are nice. Oh, I'm I'm all about it. I'm I'm a fan of holiday movies. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I like holiday movies. It's the only holiday with so much content. I mean, horror movies we've adopted because it's Halloween, but it's but it's but it's not like there was a a holiday and the people were like, oh, we're going to make movies for that holiday. The genre exists, but for Halloween, it's got its own content That's and right. songs too. It's the only holiday with just tons of songs. Nobody even holds a candle to it. To Halloween or to Christmas? To Christmas. Christmas. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it's about Halloween too. It's about his songs. <laughs> it's Halloween time. <laughs> the But you know, I, that's true. That's true. Um, you know, and it, that, and it's timeless. So it's a good thing, like say, D.W. Griffith didn't do a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> D.W. Griffith's a Christmas. A uh, Christmas that'd be terrible. You Negro. know, you. Yeah. Uh, Tis the season for awards fodder. So <laughs> I went to see uh, Philomena. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I keep calling that Philomena. Yeah. <laughs> but that's <laughs> not <laughs> it. <is> it? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> how do you pronounce it? Philomena. Philomena. It's uh, Judy Dench's character's name. And she is a woman oh. who was in the uh, Magdalene Laundry uh, yes. nightmare that yes. went on in Ireland. It's a fair word. And her kid was taken from her by the nuns. And her job, or her job, the movie is about her trying to find her kid. Right. And in comes Steve Coogan, who I found out produced and wrote the film as well, oh. it, which. You know, but it's totally like a bonus. showpiece for for Dench. I've heard it's just like for both of them. Show. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Although he plays it very low key, he plays a reporter who just really needs a story, and then he hears about this emotional piece or whatever they call it when it's like a story that's like just a it's going to tug your heartstrings. So he's like, oh, I'll look into this story until, of course, he finds it very interesting. They have a great relationship. Kind of becomes a road trip where they set out to meet people and track down her son and. Uh, filled with great humor, and Stephen Frears made it, so you oh. know it's oh, it's okay. no joke. He's you know for real, and um, I like I like him as directing a lot. I like I love his style. I just hope it's not too subtle that it gets 
passed over at awards time because it could certainly get some recognition. It sounds right. good. I'd like to see Judy yeah. Dench as something other than M. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I got she's done with that. Well, that's a she's good done with that. It's yeah. a good dovetail into how I, what I saw watched this week because this week would encompass Thanksgiving weekend as well. Oh yes, which traditionally James Bond, of course, is the uh, sci-fi does a whole fest of that. Last year they did a fest of it, and my roommate and I decided, well, we've seen twelve James Bond movies. Why don't we watch the other eleven or whatever? And <laughs> and proceeded to watch every James Bond movie between how many are there? Friday, I think there's twenty three. So we watched every James Bond movie last wow. year. So we said, all right, well, this year, let's not do James Bond. Let's, but let's still do like a whole day of like a certain genre of movie. Uh, and so he said, how about classic westerns? Because he and I were, oh, that's were a good one. both pretty spotty on like what classics we've seen. We know what the classics are. So we're like, let's just nail all the classics so that we've watched them. And they can be kind of boring and stuff like that. So we watched, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss some here, My Darling Clementine. Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Dodge City with uh, Wow, those are great ones. Dodge City, uh, uh, who's the guy with the pencil thin mustache? What's his name? Clark Gable. Ernie Kovacs. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> John Waters. Clooney John Waters. Waters. Was it? Nah, I can't John think of it. Waters. Can't think of it right now. One of those. One of those hunks founded uh, United Artists. Uh, anyway. Fairbanks? Fairbanks. Oh, my God. Oh, Fairbanks wow, only really? Western. In a Western. One of two, I think. But, but, a weird, weird but it's awesome. Western, yeah. it's, it's a three-strip Technicolor uh, oh, cool. movie because I think it's 39 or something like that. Yeah. So it's got that great color. And it's Fairbanks as a, as a cowboy. And this is not a cowboy. Like, he is the, <laughs> he's not, still got a sword. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's absolutely just this dashing man and everything he says. And you're like... Y'all could be at the end of one of these sentences, but anyway. But it's just great to see him in a Western. It's really Next cool. thing yeah. you know, they'll be casting Charlton Heston as a Mexican. There you hey. go. <laughs> Stagecoach, The Searchers, High Noon, and The Professionals with Lee Marvin. And wow, then, great think, ones. I think there was one other one that was a real, su- a real good surprise was... Uh, Rio Bravo. Uh, didn't, wa- oh, didn't watch Rio Bravo. We had it, but we didn't watch it's it. It's a good one. And then, yeah, yeah, I wanted to get to that one. But that one's two hours and like... 20 minutes or something. I was like, yeah, when you're doing a full day, you kind of got to exactly. go for, yeah. like, mm, go for a, a real time high noon adventure. Amazing thing was Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Fantastic. That's I, I missed that. I did not see that movie. Oh, oh. you, you got to see it. Yeah. It's it's where Pilgrim comes from. It's where John Wayne's saying Pilgrim comes from. <laughs> okay. It's so great because he calls him Pilgrim all the time because he's, uh, it's uh, Jimmy Stewart. Ah. Uh, and Jimmy Stewart uh, is just. Everyone do, come on, everybody do their Wayne. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, you've changed. Uh, you've changed. I'm not going to hit you. The oh, hell oh, I uh, ate. Now, uh, <laughs> no, Jordy, come on. I, I think uh, <laughs> uh, you and uh, Stinky Pete. You, uh, you know he. We you know why he talked like that because he smoked so hard. You know they had to pull a lung out of him. Oh. Do you know that? Wow. Yeah, oh, that whole thing. So that, it's all inhale. <laughs> no, nah, he's trying to catch his Trying. Breath. That's what. That's where that comes from. He, he didn't make it up. It's you know. I'm sure at some point John Wayne probably talked like this at some point. <laughs> said, hey, you guys, shorty, get off of that horse. But because he had a horrible lung removed because he smoked like 90 packs a day, he was like, now, uh, shorty, you and uh, Tommy get over there of uh, that village. And another thing, it's like, ah, come on already. <laughs> he was the best in The Greatest Story Ever Told, which was just that Bible story, that well, the Jesus story. It was loaded with, you know, uh, actors who shouldn't be in that movie. Yeah, celebrity right? stars yeah. as opposed to. <laughs> right. And he had the last line. And he shouldn't have, you know, like, yeah. Jesus on the cross or whatever. And they cut to John Wayne. He's backlit. And he says something like, truly this man is the son of God. <laughs> he did not. Credits. <laughs> That's not true. You're making that up. <laughs> Wow. And then credits start rolling. Oh, that's, that's sort of amazing. upsetting. That's amazing and upsetting. Uh, 
That's awesome. Uh, oh, but High Noon is on my. This would be a good question. Finally for you. saw. I was in movie jail for that one. I was that in was movie a movie jail, jail too. That's yeah. that's what movie I wanted to put this to you. Oh too. yeah, yeah. What movie, movie have jail. you not seen that you should have by now? And puts you in movie jail. Oh, High Noon is top of my list. I saw him High Noon. And now um, Birth of a Nation, I think, is also on that list. I you need do, to that'll see put that. you in movie jail. I mean, yeah. it is kind of a movie jail movie. You should at least see the racist piece of shit. Oh, I know. Uh, I know. I know. I know the movie I didn't see. Uh, um. The Magnificent Seven. Oh, I, that's my movie jam movie. I've not yeah. seen that either. We watched that's about twenty minutes of that. But, uh, I mean, I've <laughs> seen it before, but uh, no, it's yeah. Magnificent Seven. The dun 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 dun. That's bananas. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. It's basically the same thing. See, it's the same thing. Bonanza. That was Morricone too, right? Yeah, I think it was Morricone. Lalo Schifrin, I believe. Oh, yes. oh, wow! That guy's a, a Western fanatic. <laughs> that is a Western fanatic. Yeah, but I'm out of movie jail for High Noon. By the way, Good High Noon, hilarious movie because that town is full of pussies. <laughs> it is so funny. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I was about to say Jersey Scott, not Jersey Scott. Uh, uh, Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper. Gary Cooper uh, tries to enlist the. I mean, the movie's in real time, so it's like an 85 or 90 minute movie that starts at, you know. 10.30 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it goes in real time or whatever. And the whole movie is him going uh, going up to people and saying, you know, uh, we got some uh, bad guys coming into town. They're going to be in town on the whatever train, the noon train or whatever. It's like, I need some help. And ah, can't do it. Nope. I get out of here. And everybody's like, moving. Ah, nope, I'm leaving. I mean, there are people packing up their stuff as Gary Cooper's asking them to help. They're packing their things to go hop, hop on a horse. I mean, it's so funny. And there's even one character that's like, he, he's like, uh, I'm going to go rustle up some men. And he leaves, and you don't see him for like um, an hour. And you're like, oh, he's going to come and help. He's going he's gonna to pop in at the last minute when Gary Cooper can't find him. He's going to bring a whole posse. No, he shows back up, and he's like, ah, I couldn't find anybody. Look, I'm also going to leave. But and then and then he goes into this mode. It's a great performance. We were cracking up. He's just like, look, I wanted to help. You know that. Like he's totally backpedaling. Like, look, I, you know, I was all for this. You realize. But now, I mean, I'm gonna go. But I just wanted to know. I really wanted to. You know, <laughs> it's really. Fun. And we thought it'd be a really funny at the very end if he's like. Eh, fuck this town. Like, why would I save it? Like, he's got to go face the three gunmen. But after all that, like, eh. Fuck this town. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave. The, the big deal. Yeah, well, yeah, you know what? You guys take over the town. What would put it's not worth the shit. What would put you in movie jail? <laughs> oh. Um, People are like, I can't believe you haven't seen that movie. Yeah, and that usually comes sometimes up, come up all the time. Yeah. The one you haven't seen, people will quote it or something like that, you know? Oh, I haven't seen Magnificent Seven either. I haven't right? seen Magnificent Seven, um, no. Which is a American Seven Samurai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe, right? Yeah. Which I haven't seen. Exactly. Actually, I did see No, that. I haven't seen that. <laughs> you see Seven Samurai? I have seen Seven Samurai, yeah. That's pretty amazing. I've I was seen... in I was in Toho Studios where they <gasps> shot that. Really? And Godzilla, in, 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 uh, And Godzilla, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was really... I was there doing The Grudge. The oh. movie The Grudge. Yeah. I was yeah, there, yeah. But it was... I just cared... I not. I, it was a cool movie oh, to make, but... Oh, they shot Toho? That wasn't shot here? No. They shot in Toho Studios. Oh, but, that's awesome. But here's the coolest thing. While I was there, they were shooting... Um, uh, their version of like a Japanese sort of DOS boat about a bunch of Japanese uh, submariners during World War II in the next studio. And every time they'd take a break, you know, they'd, you know, they all cut, they hear, you hear the bells ring over there. And I was outside waiting one day and like 50 extras, uh, sorry, like, excuse me, like 15 extras came out, the guys who were just actors on the boat. And it was frightening. They were had the total, you know, World War II submariners cost. It was oh, uh, wow. chilling. 
it was it was really chilling. I mean, obviously they look pretty authentic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was awesome. It was awesome, awesome studio. Yeah, and there's like Godzilla things everywhere. Oh, I'm so sure. Yeah, like the paintings cool. lining the wall. Yeah, oh and yeah, stuff. like yeah. some reproduction <laughs> suits and stuff. It was really neat. That reminds me. I was going to say something earlier. The most exciting thing because I can't remember. You said you saw some movie in Japan, or I, I can't remember. We said something earlier, but it doesn't matter. The most ex- one of the most exciting things I've ever seen was I visited a friend in Japan for a week, and there was a brand new Godzilla movie in theaters in Japan that I got to see with a full Japanese crowd. That was so cool. That is cool. And it was Godzilla Final Wars, if you've ever seen that one. And if you haven't, you must. Mm-hmm. It is the one where he fights ev- literally everyone he's ever fought in all the movies. They do a new version of, it was Man in Suit, but they do new cool versions of, and he fights Every single villain he's ever fought. Rodan? Ro- abs? Ab- Mothra? You can't. King Kong? You, uh, no, I'm talking down to Jet Jaguar. I'm Whoa. talking down to, like, uh, you know. But first he goes around all the other monsters and asks for help. And they're like, <laughs> well, we're moving out of town, so good luck, Godzilla. You're yeah. on your own here. And then at one point, the American Godzilla from the Matthew Broderick one jumps out. And he punches its head off. And that's it. Like, you don't even have a fight. He, he just punches its head <laughs> for off. For real? And everyone's that's like, a- yeah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for real. Did you start wow. the USA chant at that point in the theater? <laughs> it was not <laughs> the place to start it. <laughs> no. No. Even back here, that's not the place to start it. I do have an answer for you real quick. Oh, yeah. Smoking oh. the Bandit 2. <laughs> <laughs> Why would that put you're you in movie jail? jail? <laughs> I mean, unless you're, all your friends are truckers or something. Maybe. that Maybe. Hey. I don't know. Well, he can't <laughs> sing Jerry Reed's follow-up no, to Eastbound and Down. <laughs> no. Which there is. I think it was called, like, Westbound and Convoy or something. I'm well, serious. I never saw Convoy. Westbound and Convoy? convoy? No. We got a great big convoy right through the night. Don't tell. I could sing you the song, sure, but who saw the movie? Chris Christopherson, directed by... Peck and Paul. Burt Young was in it. Is that Peck and Paul? I think it was. Peck and Paul directed yeah. Cow- I think Convoy. Peck and Paul directed Chris Christopherson in Convoy. I think that's true. I haven't seen the whole thing. I think that's true. It's wonderfully sexist, the parts I've seen. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be sexist, be Chris Christopherson and Sam Beckenball sexist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, we, we're done. We have come to a close with our what? segment with Ted. What? what? Oh, but I do want to so ask you uh, yeah, what I you got coming up. Too. Um, well, I saw something called, uh, uh, to interrupt you, I'm sorry, Murder of a Cat. Yeah. What is that? Murder of a, uh, it's an indie movie with... Um, uh, it's an indie movie with... Who is in the movie? Ugh, Barry Lyndon. No, uh, J.K. Simmons uh, oh, and oh, I are in the wow. movie together. Uh, we're cops. Um, we both have. For, uh, he's got a pretty sizable part. Excuse me, I have a rather small part. Um, and um, it's a it's a it's a good movie. It's one of these movies that was on, was on a black the black the famous blacklist script. Oh yeah. For those of you who don't know, it's a the blacklist is a the list of uh, one hundred most talked about unproduced Hollywood scripts that yeah. get passed around from studios, get optioned, but for whatever reason, they're not making it too expensive or too weird or whatever, but they love them. This was one of these these scripts about oh, a guy who cool. uh, lives in a small town who has a cat, and one day his uh, cat is murdered. So he goes to hunt. Uh, he's like this sort of 35-something ne'er-do-well, and he goes to hunt to figure out who killed his cat. He lives with his mother and his uh, it's just a strange, it's a weird, weird huh. little story. But in doing so, he falls in love and all these things happen. So that's a nice little movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The opposite Greg, of Greg Greg Kinnear's in it, and uh, oh. he's very, very good. Oh, I haven't oh. seen him in a while. 
Oh, he's a little great. indie movie. Why does he fun. do that? Why does he just di- whatever he does happened just to Greg? Greg, he just disappears, and he's gr- he shows up every once in a while. He doesn't quite pull a Daniel Day Lewis, who shows up every five years to remind everyone else how much they suck as an actor, and then he goes back and hides <laughs> away. But Greg kind of does the same thing. He does great work, and then just kind of he does. And he's also he's you know uh, one thing I I forget I forgot about him when I when I was there. Uh, I had one day with him and on that movie, and he. Uh, I was just goofing around like we are here telling jokes, and you cannot top him. He's so funny. <laughs> I forget because he does these, all these serious movies. I know. He started off as a stand-up. Do you remember his talk he's, soup? He's, sure, he show? was great. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. yeah. He I've been great. trying to find clips of that on YouTube, which is impossible. They, don't have them. they might have pulled them all. You they know. may have. That guy is funnier without saying a single word. He would. They would come. I would love to watch some old talk soup with him. Yeah, he was great. Out? They he come out of those clips. And he says nothing, and you're on the floor. Just his look, yeah, his demeanor, his his vibe yeah. is just brilliant. Absolutely. You ever seen The Matador? Has the room seen The Matador? Yes, I like oh, that oh, movie. Fantastic what a, movie. What a weird movie. little indie. Yeah. Did I, did I lend that to you? Brosnan? Huh? Did I lend that to you? No, but I've been asking for it <laughs> oh, because I brought this up. This I, is the I, third time I brought it up on the show and going, I have to rewatch this. I will lend it to anyone who wants to okay. see it. That movie's fantastic. I, I think that's fantastic, too. And, and it was a good, bold career choice for Pierce Brosnan to go, they will never, yeah. ever, ever let me be Bond. <laughs> and I'm too old to be an action star, and I don't want to fight anybody anymore, so I'm going to go 180 degrees into this crazy-ass movie. <laughs> and it is cry crazy on ass. screen all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Broken-down hitman. <laughs> Broken-down hitman sleeping with horrible horrors. <laughs> a really funny Just, movie. It's got yeah. a twisted sense of humor. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, there you have it. Go to tedramey.com oh. to find no. out what's Do next. that. And and you're directing now too. You just directed a web series. Uh, yeah, it? I did for uh, Break Media, and um, which is like which Lionsgate, is an anthology horror. series too. It's anthology horror. Yeah, yeah that's I pretty love cool. It's about El Marco. El Marco? No, no. Yeah, this is El Marco on Ted. Oh yeah, El Marco. I was a little comedy show I directed a long time ago. I <laughs> threw that up there. So if you like, but I should say because I watched it. If you like uh, the comedy stylings of Ted Raimi in, in Xena and Hercules, that whole feel is translated to this. My favorite line, of course, they call him the Marco. Because <laughs> El Marco. Mar- That's Marco. right. They keep asking, you mean the Marco? There's no El Marco. Yeah. But that means and the he Marco. He sings songs and he fights bad guys. Yeah, it's it's, it's, yeah it is fun. Um, I enjoyed it. was fun little uh, short to make. Yeah. And at Ted Ramey on Twitter. You can also find out everything that he's up to as well. Uh, we'll be right back. Karen will return to the show and we'll wrap up things, uh, but not before. Oh, let's have just a few more seconds of... Uh, of joy from the uh, wonderful world of Xena and Hercules as we go <laughs> I out. I forgot about so, this. Not Ted as Joxer, but Ted as Joxer's brother Jace. Yes. Playing boy and Jace. Yes. Thanks, Ted. Appreciate you coming Thank out. You. Hey, Thanks, Ray. guys. Thanks a lot. Fun. What is this? I don't know this. Everyone! Why don't you all throw up your hands and feel Is that you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another one? I played three Jace. different brothers on that show. Uh-huh. And this was uh, the very gay brother named Jace. Uh-huh. So there's Jocks or the Idiot. It was really funny stuff they wrote. There's his very gay brother, Jace, and then the killer, Jet, who's just a psychopath who just loves to kill people. So it was, it was like... And they're all played by you, right? Oh, I played them all, yeah. Oh, that's a- That'll never happen again on TV where, like, you know, the, it wasn't a network show, so we got so much freedom and... What? A, when else is a comedy actor going to get to play three different parts? That's great. Well, repeatedly. Well, I, so, don't you play three parts in uh, They Call Me Bruce? Or I, most every movie I play. <laughs> and I think I, I play multiple year, characters in most characters. comedies yeah. I've done. But on TV, that was a weird one. Yeah. I mean, everyone in one com, you know, usually in a 
comedy show, it's typical for an, an actor to play their double. That's normal, but to play three parts <laughs> on a regular basis is really weird. And like, it didn't even seem weird at the time. Now looking back, I'm like, they never let an actor do that. And I got so lucky. I don't know how it lucked out. I'm it was really Rob. It was I'm Rob gonna... Tapper, you know, the producer. He's he's just so adventuresome. How great was that on Xena? You're with all your childhood friends, right? Robert Tapper. And, yeah, and uh, Rob Tappert was my childhood friend, and um, J- uh, Josh uh, Josh Becker? Becker, my childhood yeah. friend. Yeah, both Detroiters, old, old friends of mine. So it was great. It's just like it was great. It's like old buddies just having yeah. fun together, just like hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> making the uh, making TV ridiculous TV. Show. Yeah, it yeah. was it was great. You know, and um, I predict a huge Xena binge for me after this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, T- TV or f- all right. I know this is our outro music, but one more question: TV or film? Not in terms of. What projects you've done that you're proudest of, but just in terms of as a working actor, uh, like what my favorite? Yeah, what do you take in that in that throwdown? I'm sorry, in terms of a genre? No, just what do you like working you prefer on? Best? As a yeah. Oh, oh. Some um, people say the long hours of this or the uh, the tough. It's, it just breaks down this way: the money of TV and the and the art and the art and the fun of making movies. TV's yeah. not all that much. TV's kind of a grind, but but the money's great. Movies, you go broke, but they're you feel like an artist. <laughs> there you have it. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's all that's I got to say to that. That's a good quote. All right. Hey, we're actually going to go to break this time. Thanks, Ted. Oh, wait, one last question. Get out of here. <laughs> you got a good Roy Scheider story? <laughs> or an impersonation of Roy Scheider? Nah. I mean, he was on Sequest. Oh, I mean, Jesus. the legendary story. <laughs> uh, sorry, Paul. Uh, the, uh, yeah, Roy, yeah, well, here's Roy on set. <laughs> Roy would do this. They'd say... Uh, the f- here's my first time I ever met Roy. Uh, late, uh, folks, uh, cast members of Sequest, uh, producers, uh, want to tell you you're coming in on uh, Saturday, per usual, as we all do it on TV shows uh, for uh, cast and crew photos for promotion. Pause. Thank you. Pause. Roy Scheider out of the side of the room. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> you take pictures on your time. Saturday is our time. <laughs> you understand? Let me show you how it works. <laughs> right turns around and walks out. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. And, awesome. Uh, and of course, all of us actors standing in front of, you know, Steven Spielberg's men are like, <laughs> well, that was really terrible. That was really shameful. And secretly, we're like, I can't I love you! <laughs> None of you worked on Jaws. He will be missed. There you go. Awesome. That's great. So funny. I didn't know he played three characters, I mean. And the reason that's rare is because that you really are Everyone, obligated. Why don't you all throw up your hands and feel <laughs> the union doesn't like you to do that. Take work away from two other people. Oh, well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing two different characters. Yeah, they hate it. Well, such a Peter Sellers move. I think he's paying a fine for all those. Oh, yeah? For real? I, I would believe so. It's $320 or something like that. Oh, but okay. it's, yeah. Hey, we're back, everybody. And, uh, well, Karen uh, is not here today because she's off in an audition, so hopefully it's going well. So that means... It's uh, probably a good sign. Yeah, if you stay there a long time. I've never had a really long, bad audition. <laughs> I <laughs> Stick around, you keep <laughs> sucking. <laughs> we want more of that. Yeah. I have a theory that Ted Raimi's just good luck, maybe. There you go. Here's uh, no, it's one of those rare auditions where they just want her to keep trying until she gets the part. Instead of <laughs> instead of going, nope, next. Ted's birthday is next week, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah on the yeah. 14th. December birthday. So, yeah, maybe we'll drop a little. Along up. with me. And 
Adam me, yes. and Excellent. Fred Mowry and Dave Sachs. And not me. I'm in March. <laughs> All right. I screwed it up. Uh, but uh, Hollywood is putting out a ton of movies, racing to get them out of time for a year-end Oscar qualification. So uh, we'll get to what Karen saw this week next week as well. But for now, without Karen here, I guess it's up to me to do the birthdays. Paul does here the birthdays? Go. What a crazy variation on a formula. <laughs> No, Adam, he just drew the short straw. <laughs> Let's start off our birthdays by wishing oh, a happy good. birthday to Marissa Tomei. Oh, I'd love the happy birthday all over her. Well, this is going to be funny. You're doing it in Karen's voice, but I know you really want to back Marissa Tomei. <laughs> so, you're totally right, sir. I'm going to draw a You are correct, my good man. feel here. She turns 49, but can play anywhere from hottie in 1992 to current day hottie. Oh, <laughs> cougar hottie. I, it's as if I wrote that. You all know Marissa Tomei as the Oscar award-winning actress from My Cousin Vinny. To me, Marissa Tomei is my personal dialect coach for whenever I have to play a New Yorker. That, that would be Karen. <laughs> and then Karen does a great New But do I, do I know her as a winner? Is that still up for debate? Was that still... Oh, a, the whole is that palettes still? read the wrong name? Oh, that's bullshit. I Jesus. hope it is. It has to be, right? That is an overly planned performance. I mean, that, that, that nothing is more produced than that show on Earth, right? Yeah. And yeah, how yeah. do you read the wrong name? Are there six names? You, no, you they don't pick put one? more than one name. That is such a <laughs> They don't dumb highlight rumor. the one. They just there's one name <laughs> yeah, on the no, card. There's just <laughs> one name on the card. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Here, read one of these three. Circle the one. Come on. She says here she yeah, won Best good. Supporting Actress that year over such schlubs as Vanessa Redgrave for <laughs> Howard's End, Judy Davis for Husbands and Wives, Joan Plowright for Enchanted Abel, and Miranda Richardson for Damage. Good Lord, that Whoa. is a that is a like a Casting call of high end yeah. prestige yeah. names. Wow, Tomei maybe beat them all. <laughs> hey, which one of these women went on to a long and successful movie career? Oh wait, almost all of them. I mean, Miranda <laughs> would probably still be working if it weren't for that skiing accident. Who? What? Okay, Karen. That's Natasha Richardson. <laughs> Miranda Richardson. Oh, Jesus Christ. Which you know, normally her skiing accident would not be hilarious. That's Sonny Bono. Good That's Lord. a hilarious ski accident. <laughs> anyway, what's important here isn't whether she won the award for real or not. It's that she's still super hot at 49. You go, girl. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Take care of it. <laughs> Next up, let's wish a happy birthday to the man of imagination, Mr. Walt Disney. Oh. Who died at the age of 65. Perfect timing. Wow. But his head just turned 113. He smoked 25 packs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he died that young. But I mean, I guess I don't remember picking. That's when you died, you when you smoked yeah. all the time. Is that right? Yeah. He didn't have, uh, I don't have images in my head of like a super old Walt Disney. So yeah, 65 no, no. is I guess when it was. But uh, uh, anyway. Tell how old we are. When I was a kid 65 watching. 65 is not that old. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I have images of I Walt. was so young. Remember when you were a kid and 40 was so old. Like ancient. Ancient. Uh, fuck. Whenever, whenever I have images oh. of Walt Disney, I have to intentionally not think of John Waters. Oh, yeah, he's got a John Waters thing going gotta, on. Okay, it? not him, the other guy. Yeah. Here, Karen wrote something I, I this I think we could all agree with. Okay. When I was a kid watching all of those Sunday night shows, The Wonderful World yes. of Disney, yes. I always thought he was alive. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, you're right. Did, I don't think he was I not, knew. He was I dead by watch then? shows and go, oh, he's dead. Was I would, he dead yeah. by then? But he was died oh, before we were born. No, 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 no. I don't uh, think that's true. I think so. No, I seem to remember in Tim Burton's biography that there... He was. Uh, There's a Tim huge, Burton's in his fifties, uh, but there was a huge flux of changeover in eighty one, eighty two because Walt had died and they didn't know how to run the company. So uh, I think he did die in like eighty or something. Fuck, I got to do math. All right, hang on. I was gonna, gonna say there, there's the calculator on the computer. There is a way to figure this out. <laughs> Pretty simply, he well, was sixty five when he died. Right. He was born in one. So one hundred thirteen <laughs> is, is is how old he. W- 
he would be today. Oh, that's a real number. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, okay. his head is minus two thousand. Minus sixty-five <laughs> equals forty-eight. So forty-eight years ago, which is older than any of Everyone us. Everyone Yeah. What? Hold on, I'm gonna look this up. Right, what, you look it up. In the meantime, here, here, there's another way to do it. Uh, Siri, <laughs> when did Walt Disney die? Have all of you been to Disneyland? Uh, yes, Disney oh, World, yeah. World, and Disney World and Land. World and Land. World and Land. Yeah, yeah. And Epcot, which just sucks. And this <laughs> is uh, this is true for Karen. My first trip to Disney World was when I was 28, and it was still magical. Oh wow! Trip. I had to take that girl. I had to take that girl. Show her Disney World. I had to show her ET. I don't know what kind of childhood oh, she had. Karen. But thank God I came along. Wow. Karen, I am talking to you. That's pretty magical. But she can't imagine going there as a six-year-old girl. My head would explode. Uh, oh, yeah. Totally. I forgot. I jumped in. I jumped tenses. Not tenses. I jumped first person, third person. Anyway. <laughs> you would. All right. Back to Karen. And lastly, happy birthday to one of my favorite dudes. I'm the dude. That's what you call me. You know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Yes, Jeff Bridges turns 64, but can play anywhere from craggy old Rooster Cogburn and True Grit to Rooster Cogburn and R.I.P.D. <laughs> I came late to the Jeff Bridges party. For some reason, I remember seeing him in The Fabulous Baker Boys, and then I somehow missed all of his other movies except for True Grip. I mean, I saw him in movies, but I didn't realize what an absolute force to be reckoned with he actually was. But this is a good thing. Now I have the pleasure of going back and seeing classic Jeff Bridges movies like Seabiscuit, The Big Lebowski, Fearless, which I loved but didn't know he was in, <laughs> The Fisher King, and the list goes on. This is Karen. You know, wow. So yeah. <laughs> she, uh, well, but how did, she loved that movie, Fearless. That movie is scary as shit. It's a Peter Weir film from 1993 about plane crash survivors. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Karen was a wreck. I like carried her out of that mm. theater. <laughs> and she doesn't know Jeff Bridges was the guy? I never saw Fabulous Beggar Boys. Movie, movie Jail. <gasps> movie Jail. No, I have not seen that either. I don't know either. if it's Movie Jail, but god damn, is that a good movie. I've not seen that, yeah. That a great it's film. with the Bridges Brothers. And, yeah. Oh, it Bo's best best thing he's ever pants. Done. What's her? What's McCotty pants? Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. But man, he's he's also just so enjoyable from like a boyish point of view too. Like some of the like Tron, of course. King Kong. King Kong. Yeah. I just watched that last year. God, this is still so Wait, good. Wait, the King Kong with Jack Black? No, with no. Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin and Jessica Lange. Yeah. Nineteen seventy. And it holds up. Does oh, it really? Yes, no way. it absolutely does. Things in the 70s don't hold no, up. They Fake do. monkeys from the 70s never hold up. Look, if you're going to point out a bunch of fucking mat lines, then I don't want to watch <laughs> a movie with you anyway. Get over it. Like, I like how people can't... Mat lines. <laughs> right? I love how, how many people are calling out in mat line uh, <laughs> notifications. No, no, I love how people are like, oh, you can look, that's so matted in or whatever. Or so well, just the effects. Compton, but, you, know, you, know. You, can, you can goof on 70s movies in general sometimes. But I think the, the it's a man in suit gorilla in that one. Yeah. And it's really good. Rick, it's Rick Baker. Did, yeah, did the gorilla suit? I think that gorilla looks the best of all of them in some ways. It's it's got a just a good look about. I it. I honestly anyway. haven't seen it in forever in a day. Yeah, no, I thought it was going to so be I totally terrible. It. But yeah. um, all right, and there you go. But as 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 we all know, I love when celebrities sing. <laughs> yes, Garrett. So here's a little number from the very talented and sexy Jeff Bridges from his awesome 2010 movie Crazy Heart. And that does it for the movie showcase. Hey. This is the song. So I'm back to Paul now. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh well, <laughs> yeah. gee, where'd you go? Uh, together we are the movie guys. Individually we are. Uh, Wait, guys, we're... Karen Bulby sits over there. Follow us on Twitter <laughs> at the movie guys on Facebook at facebook.com slash the movie guys as well as YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Vine, Instagram. We'll do something with Google Plus one day. They say it's gonna be it's gonna stick around. I keep getting people keep saying they're on it. Yeah, they tie so. it to YouTube. It's so. already out in France. It's Google Plus. 
I mean, <laughs> thank you. Like Canal Plus. Canal Plus. Canal Plus. Uh, thanks to Ted Raimi. Oh, hey, yeah. Mr. Raimi. TedRaimi.com. human being. Jesus, that guy's a freaking tour de force. I could have talked to him for another hour. We oh, should have and absolutely. just put it out as a separate thing. What yeah. were we thinking? Yeah. Well, he yeah. had to go. Part of the Movie Guys box set this Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> makes him a wonderful gift. And thanks to Steve Schultz for his writing contributions hey, to the show Steve. every week. And remember, you can find everything we're up to at themovieguys.net. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Oh, this is uh, Jeff Bridges and the Abiders. That's his band. Did you know oh, that? Oh, that's terrific. The I feel like I, maybe I heard that. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty terrific. All right, thanks. Get out of here. Or love the We can keep talking it. again over the music. <laughs> never let it act. The outro I thought music. that was a good bit. It only went two beats with Ted, but I thought that was pretty funny. And we got a good Roy Scheider story out of it. Oh, the best. This must that be awesome. the prize today. And of course, the audience missed. The audience missed the Ted Ramey show after we stopped recording that. Uh, he told four more stories <laughs> oh, before yeah. he left. Yeah, that was hilarious. Find him and make him. You know, when you find him on the street, make him tell you stories about. <laughs> and, and a Harrison Ford impersonation. <laughs> make him I tell mean, you a story. He did. He did four stories and three impersonations after we cut the mics. <laughs> out of the way of the car. That he is Philip Noyce. He did Philip Noyce. I mean, oh, it's fantastic. Right, goodbye. Get out of here. Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> we did get to do the Especially when it's <laughs>